And good morning, everyone, or good evening, or good afternoon, depending upon where you are on this rotating globe. Welcome to another edition of The Other Side of Midnight, that magical time between dusk and dawn, when on this show, just about anything can happen. Um, If you listen to last night's show, which we did uh, three hours on the Developing Extraordinary Mysteries of Didymos, Remember the asteroid, the primary asteroid around which little one-fifth scale dimorphos is orbiting or was orbiting every 11 hours and 55 minutes? Well, we spent three hours last night talking about NASA's DART mission, the uh, direct uh, asteroid uh, uh, redirection test. Uh, That's the acronym DART, which uh, was culminated with an impact of the main spacecraft on the Evening, East Coast time of this, of December, yeah, really, September 26, 2022, just a couple weeks ago. And then all hell broke loose. And so we spent three hours discussing a really remarkable set of unusual uh, new information and events and coming attractions around Didymos. Um, I'll get to that in more detail in a minute, but I wanted to point your attention to item number one. Um, for some reason, my website tonight, the Enterprise, I mean, Enterprise, the other side of Midnight website is not updating because uh, there's supposed to be two stories up there that are not up there. Remember how last night toward the end of the show, Robert Morningstar said that uh, both President Putin and President Zelensky were going to be showing up for the uh, uh, G20 summit, which this year in November, God, everything this year is happening in November. Uh, is going to be held in Indonesia, in Bali. Well, I called Robert this afternoon, and I uh, asked him for a link, which he gave me. It's an actual story on RT, um, and Keith put it up, but I'm not seeing it on the website, and I'm also not seeing the second link, which is supposed to be a direct link to NASA. So there's something going on with our website which, of course, is not unexpected because people diddle with this show all the time. I mean, really, statistically, look at all the bizarre things that happened around this this show. Anyway, so uh, when we get it fixed, if we can get it fixed, item number one tonight in Radio with Pictures, which, remember, if you're new to the show, the way you get to these items, and you're going to want to definitely get to the items when we get to our guests, is you go to theothersideofmidnight.com, which is a very remarkable banner, which was created by my primary guest tonight, John Womack, called Queen Hera of Park Avenue. And in case you're wondering how uh, ancient Greek mythology mixes with modern New York real estate, just kind of hold on. All will become clear, okay? So you click on that, which says Womack, Lambert, Wheatley, and Morgan at the bottom. That takes you to the guest page. And right under that banner at the top of the guest page, you will see where it says fast links to items. You click on my name and it will take you to my section of Radio with Pictures, which I am refreshing again. Oh, there we are. Okay. Um, Yeah, item number two should now take me, take us to the NASA headquarters link about the Didymos uh, press conference. But item number one is the is the right link. It is uh, RT, which is Russian television. Apparently, 
according to RT, which learned this from an ambassador of the Indonesian government, next month in November, both presidents involved in this insane war, Zelensky and Putin, are going to be at the same conference physically, not virtually. They'll be there physically. And what the ambassador said to RT is the Indonesian government, which, of course, is hosting the G20 this year, is putting them at separate hotels, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, Anyway, that solidifies that this is a real sourced story. Remember, these days, you can't tell real news from fake news unless you track back to primary sources. So the primary source for this is the Indonesian, uh, an Indonesian official. We don't know whether it's the ambassador to uh, Moscow or not. As reported by official Russian television, RT, and there, there it is. So now if they both show up, that would be a very opportune time to have a quiet off the books, no cameras, no reporters, no news at all, background discussion between these two guys about how to end this damn war. And that, of course, would be an extraordinarily positive development. So uh, keep your fingers crossed. Okay, let me refresh one more time and see if Keith has been able to fix link number two. Uh, No, it still only goes to the picture. Uh, Link number two should actually take you to the actual NASA headquarters press release, which was issued yesterday, Friday, which notifies everyone of a very important NASA press conference that's going to be held. You're going to want to write this down in case we can't get the website fixed. Uh, 2 p.m. on Tuesday afternoon, Eastern uh, Daylight Time in the United States. That's the first time since impact that a large number of important people, both from NASA headquarters, I think the president of the Italian Space Agency, and a bunch of scientists are all going to show up uh, on NASA television or on YouTube, the NASA channel, or if you log on to NASA gov it'll be there too at 2 p.m on tuesday they will hold a press conference telling us what they have learned in the two weeks plus one day since the impact of the uh, dart into dimorphos the little 600 foot wide guy orbiting the half mile wide uh, larger object called didymos now just before we went on the air tonight i put out a call to my kind of loosely organized independent citizen scientist amateur astronomer network that I put together with the help of a good friend of mine in the community over the last two weeks. And I put out a general question and I said, have any of you guys, because they're all busily measuring uh, Didymos, you can't see Dimorphos from the Earth in uh, you know amateur-sized telescopes, but they've been easily able to measure the photometry of Didymos, and Didymos before impact did two things. It had a rotation brightening darkening every two hours, roughly 20 minutes. I know some of you were thinking, is it 2.19.5? I don't know. I didn't do the measurement. It's listed as 2.26 minutes, two hours, 0.26 minutes, so you can do the math. Um, That was before impact. Now, superimposed on that two-hour and uh, a third rotation rate of Didymos was the 11-hour, 55-minute 
orbit of Dimorphos, the little satellite, around Didymos every 11 hours, 55 minutes. Those two light curves were first disentangled in 2003 when the presence, because of these eclipses uh, of, of Dimorphos by Didymos, showed up on an amateur astronomer's uh, photometric traces. And since then, astronomers, both professional and amateur all over the world, have been measuring these two periods of the Didymos system. Now, what makes this really interesting is that all the asteroids, and there's something like 40, 50,000 that are now being tracked at one level or, or another by both professionals and amateurs, 50,000 asteroids. And the relatively much smaller number that come closest to the Earth so they can be seen by amateur telescopes, because these things are really dim because they're small. You know, they're miles or, in the case of Dimorphos, hundreds of feet in diameter. And they're dark. They're very black. They're like carbon black. So they don't reflect much sunlight. So they're really dim. So you need really good equipment to pick them up and record their brightness changes faithfully. Um, there's been enormous numbers of light curves accumulated on this object since 2003. So we really know the period of rotation of Didymos, uh, two and a third hours. And we know the orbital period of Dimorphos, 11 hours, 55 minutes, with extraordinary clock-like precision. So what I tasked my guys to do, and they were, of course, eager to do because everybody wants to know the answer, is, well, after this extraordinary, huge, incredibly amazing impact on uh, Monday night, the 26th, has anybody picked up the light curves of either the spin of Didymos or the orbit eclipses of Dimorphos? And I got back just before airtime an answer. And the answer is no, which is really important. Because if you look at the amount of material coming off the system after impact, it looked to me qualitatively like the energy expended and maybe the energy triggered, apropos of last night's discussion, not only totally destroyed Dimorphos, reducing it to basically a cloud of rubble or much smaller material like dust, micron-sized dust, millionth of a meter-sized dust, which is blowing around under, under solar radiation pressure. But because of secondary effects, the shock wave from the destruction of Dimorphos just crossing the half mile separating it from Didymos, a good portion of Didymos could also have been destroyed or knocked off or obliterated or blasted away in excess of the escape velocity of the uh, two-body orbiting system, in which case that would account very nicely for the extraordinary brightening of dust that we have seen in the last two weeks from the Didymo system. And now we've got it correctly labeled. There, that link takes you to the NASA press conference on Tuesday, uh, item number two. And what I chose for the linking image is a amateur astronomer's uh, 0.6 meter telescope, that's the size of the mirror, in Chile. 0.6 meter, remember, a meter is about three feet. So it's, it's maybe a two-foot meter, a uh, two-foot wide uh, mirror, reflecting telescope. He's taken a stunning, you know, set of images there. The, uh, the top one is the raw image. The bottom one I brightened. 
notice apropos last night's discussion of what we're seeing around the Didymus location. Now keep in mind that jet going off to the upper left is thousands of miles long. Really, only in the last two weeks. Solar radiation pressure has pushed the dust far away from the little Didymo system, which on this scale would be like a pixel. And furthermore, it's filled a geometric form in three dimensions around where Didymos used to be, um, which has this extraordinary 3D shape of a tetrahedron, which is the first object that manifests from higher dimensions into three-dimensional reality in terms of uh, hyperdimensional geometry and hyperdimensional uh, mathematics. So something is causing this dust being emitted from the entire system, probably the inadvertent destruction of Andidimos, into a tetrahedron made of tiny micron-sized dust. And you're looking down on it at about a 30-degree angle. Now, given that the orbit plane of Dimorphos around Didymos was exactly like edge-on, like you held up a CD and put it like edge-on in, in, on this photograph, that would mean to me, given that these geometries, according to the experiments of uh, Bruce De Palma, are dependent on a quantity called angular momentum, that not only did the impact destroy dimorphos but it probably tilted the rotational plane of the remaining material at a very steep angle to the ecliptic plane of the earth and to the line of sight so they really did a number on this object and it's going to be extraordinarily interesting as to what really happened and b is nasa going to tell us the truth or are they going to make like oh everything is fine Nothing's wrong, nothing to see here, move along, move along. It was incredibly successful, and we'll have specific data for you later. And, of course, later will never come, and they'll be hoping that people's interest in this incredibly news-filled environment these days will be distracted by 15 other world-shaking events, up to and including you know, the prospect of nuclear Armageddon, and no one will give a damn as to what happened to Didymos and the people who do will have no political power, and it will all just kind of fade away into the background, which is why we're scheduling on Saturday next, uh, which is, you know, uh, six days from two of our Didymos program, where we'll bring you what NASA said, and more important, we will hopefully bring you more ground-based observations, which can confirm with good, hard, empirical science whether NASA really blew the entire system away. Now, why should we care about any of this in terms of tonight's show? Because they are, in fact, directly connected. Last night, we proposed that a long, long time ago, in a solar system not that far away, namely our own, somebody set up the Didymos and Dimorphos system as a binary, specifically as a time capsule for a future generation of developing technological humans here on Earth millions of years ago. And NASA went out and with its experiment, apparently destroyed the time capsule. 
Why is that relevant? Because if you look at item number three, this is something that occurred here on Earth just a couple years ago. Um, helicopter pilots working for the uh, uh, service, uh, uh, animal service management or environmental, I forget what the agency was of the state of Colorado, flying over a remote location of the canyon lands of Utah, spotted a bizarre aluminum three-sided equilateral triangle, anybody? Two-dimensional version of a three-dimensional tetrahedron sitting in the middle of a little canyon in southeast Utah. They landed, and if you go into that story, that's from the local ABC affiliate uh, uh, two years, I'm sorry, one, one, one year later. Um, they have a kind of an update as to what's happened. And we still don't know who set up the tetrahedron slash monolith. We do know who went in and destroyed it, took it down. And so the whole thing kind of introduced me to the idea that maybe Utah, maybe these stunning canyon lands could be a terrestrial version of an ancient civilization or multiple terrestrial civilization time capsules. And many years ago, I'm hoping he will remember when, uh, our own Keith Morgan, who's part of the show tonight, went to Utah, went to a place called Arches National Park and took a bunch of photographs. And when he looked at them, he was struck years and years and years ago by the fact that the objects, the morphologies, the geoglyphs, the shapes, the forms that he was seeing just didn't look quite natural. But in fact, they appear to have been made by some extraordinarily ancient, because of all the erosion, a human civilization here on Earth, one of the precursor civilizations that historians and academicians and others keep constantly denying, you know, claiming we're the first high-tech civilization that Earth has ever produced. Not. So tonight what we're going to do is we're going to delve into the lore and history and possible discoveries to be made in the canyon lands of the great American Southwest with several interesting guests. As I said, Keith is going to talk first and uh, tell us about when he took the pictures and why he was there and, you know, if he can actually look at a date and say when, you know, he first noticed. Because it was Keith who, independent of me looking at that photo, which is item number three, said, good grief, in that little canyon around this monolith, there's all kinds of faces, there's glyphs, there's representations of recognizable forms, like someone was leaving some kind of mural history of some kind of totally lost history to current human kin. So without further ado, I want to introduce on air Keith Morgan, who, as you know, used to work for Ted Koppel for decades and who is, we're incredibly lucky to have him as our able AI and web person. Keith, where were you, when were you in Colorado, and when did you first realize that what you were looking at might not be natural? Uh, I was visiting my son in Utah when the Federal Department of Transportation had him space, uh, stationed there for like three years, and that was uh, in... Uh, August uh, 2014. 
Oh, okay. So it's relatively recent. Yeah. And um, we drove down to Arches Park because he was up more or less by uh, Salt Lake, Utah. Um, now, wait. Where is Arches Park relative to, let's say, like Denver? Uh, it's really far south of um, Salt Lake. Uh, it took us, uh, I think, a couple hours or something to get there. Oh, so it's in the southeast corner. Yeah. So we we went down to that area. I'd never been there before. I didn't even know much about it. And we started looking at a lot of the stuff that they were pointing out that, hey, this is just a natural formation. This is the balanced rock. This is the... Uh, castle. It looks like a castle out there in the distance, and so on. And and as I'm driving um, or driving around the area, I'm noticing stuff that just doesn't look like it's natural. I'm like, that looks like two statues back to back. It looks like Anubis sticking out one side, and and some other thing with a headdress on facing the opposite, and then I start seeing stuff etched into the walls, and I'm going, that looks like it looks like a tall Native American. He's looking over his left shoulder. You got the neck, the shoulders, the, the torso, and I took pictures of it. And the one that really got my attention was my wife was walking in front of me. I'm looking up on top of this butte, and here's what looks like a bus of Nefertiti with the Egyptian headdress on out the back. This thing is precariously balanced on this thin neck. Oh, that, that's your image 2A. Yeah, that's the 2A. God, it really um, does look like Nefertiti. And C- complete I'm, with the royal Egyptian crown. Yeah, and I'm, I'm blown away. Uh, we're looking at, if we look at 2A, the exploded view, all I did was take Microsoft's uh, 3D paint and I made a rectangle around these objects that I was interested in. And it extruded them to look like that, okay? I didn't trace around them or anything. I just said, made a rectangle around it, and it extruded it, and that's the way they look. And next to her was this pedestal that had this little stub on the end, like there was a head or something on that, and it had corners and edges. And I said, that doesn't look natural. And I took that one wide shot. And then years later, when I was setting up uh, a show for the other, uh, for the other side of midnight, and I was putting my pictures together, and I was noticing that down below, one level below that was this other structure, and I couldn't tell if it was a pillar or not because of the angle that I shot it at. But then later, I found a second picture where I was actually standing closer underneath of it, looking up at it. And it was not connected to the back wall, which first I thought it was when I came back across this. Then I showed it to Jonathan Womack, who's our guest tonight. And he looks at it. And then he sees on the wall to the right of it what looks like this bird's head etched into the wall. It's got the eye. It's got the beak. It's got the neck. I'm looking at this going there's no way you can have four out-of-place artifacts in one photograph in this one general area like that and say this is all natural. And then when I really got a good look at the, the pedestal that the, the uh, vertical column was sitting on and got a good look at that, 
it looks like the balanced rock that is there in Utah in the Arches Park. Uh, but that's much bigger. But it looks like a fish head entity. Like it, it's got eye, it's got a mouth, it's got. It looks like it's wearing some kind of helmet or something. And this looks similar to it, slightly different, but very similar to what that looks like. And I'm going, how can you get two different objects in the same general area looking almost identical? And the one in this picture is sitting on its own little pedestal, Hmm. perfectly sitting on this pedestal. And I'm saying, this is not natural. This is... You can't you can't dismiss this as natural. How do you get something these objects sculptured this way with wind? There's no water. There was water. Then how did they sculpt these things so perfectly? And the one with the bust of Nefertiti, it looks like, based on how that is precariously balanced, the wind should have broken it off or something long time ago. Just like the balanced rock, it's huge, but it's sitting perfectly balanced on his little skinny neck. On the, and I'm going, that should have should have been taken out by wind or hurricane or some kind of force that would have knocked it over a long time ago. But nope, and it's weathered the time. When I started looking at the rest of this area, and I showed it to you know Jonathan Womack, I started noticing other things. When it came down to the monolith, if we go back up to 1A uh, and 1B, the 1B, there was this area at the monolith that had artwork on the walls. It had a little artwork, 3D artwork of an owl sitting up on a ledge. It had uh, other artwork down at the bottom of looks like a... an Asian lady, and then to the left of her, it looks like somebody with a hooded robe over their head. And I'm going, am I reading stuff into this? And then the stuff next to it, above that, it looks like there's paint coming down the sides. And I keep looking at it, and I said, is this someone's hair that's coming down the side or what? But then there's there's also what looks like a caterpillar with long antenna sticking out of it. And I'm saying, I, I can't be reading all this into that. But it was the, it was the main stuff. And the reason I'm, I've got 1A and 1B is because I came across 1A the other day when I was looking for something. And this guy named Barry Goldberg, if that's his name, um, he, he was trying to demonstrate how you know, you're in a dark cave, you can't see anything, but you turn the flashlight on and a rock reflects the light. Because people were talking about why is the moon reflecting light if it's a rock? And mm-hmm. well, didn't make any sense, hmm. but this is the logic. Anyway, on that wall, if you click on that link and you zoom in on that picture, you will see this artwork on the wall. It looks like a book with a picture of a person on it that's got a collar and shoulders. Oh, there's a definite uh, uh, rectangular geometry, yeah, on the left. Yeah, yeah. And it looks um, like a figure with some kind of crown in the middle of the of the book. Actually, there's more than one figure. Yeah, and it looks like there's another figure that's 
holding the book up in some kind of almost like Atlas or something. I don't mm-hmm. know if that's real or just artifacting. But looks like he yeah. has a symmetrical collar. Yeah. The main figure. Wow. Yeah. And then in in one B, the the Asian lady down at the bottom, which I have annotated, that kind of reminds me of the artwork that we're seeing in one A. And I said, this is another coincidence again. I want to know where Barry took the picture at because he didn't say. Uh-huh. And if it's in Utah. Well, is he trying to protect the site? Because, you know, if you make these things public, uh, yeah. there's many times when people will just uh, go and destroy. You know, it's just, you know, humans can yeah. be very weird. Right. So, but then <clears throat> with the monolith, we'll go down to 3A. Oh, we're we're coming up on a break. Yeah, so, yeah, we're very much at the bottom. In fact, we should probably yeah, we should actually probably stop right now. My first guest this morning is our own Keith Morgan, and we're talking about uh, well, we're talking about a bunch of stuff, but this is actually someone a long time ago did something to leave a message, a message to to whom? Well, whoever would come after. Who's that? It's us. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. If you're on the other side of midnight, my name is Richard C. Hoagland. We shall return. Join Club 19.5 to get access to exclusive member benefits. Listen to past episodes anytime on any device. Search the archives of over 180 episodes. Membership costs $9.95 a month, 33 cents a day. Support the broadcaster to provide you with the most interesting conversation available. Talk radio at the cutting edge of science and thought. The other side of midnight.com. And welcome back, everyone, on this Sunday night, October 9th, 2022, just weeks away from the Halloween revelations of the first official U.S. government congressionally mandated official report on UFOs. Of course, they call them something else now. They call them UAPs. But God, what's going to be in this report? Halloween. Can you say War of the Worlds. 
Okay, tonight we're talking about something very distant from war. We're talking about time capsules. So Keith Morgan was in Utah in the fall of, well, late summer of 2014 visiting his son. And he and his wife, Audrey, took a trip down to the Arches National Park, which was a really good idea because it's incredibly spectacular. And he's wandering around with a camera. And remember, he's, you know, television, eye for things and all that. And he's looking at this stuff and he says, wait a minute, that doesn't look natural. So pick it up from there. Keith, unmuting helps. Sorry about that. I was <laughs> muted. Okay. Go uh, for it. Yeah, when I first saw those the the two objects on top of the butte, I said, this does not look natural. And as we went around the area, there were other objects that just did not look natural. I saw a I finally saw where the the main arch that a lot of a lot of their calendars and stuff have on it and I'm looking at it from a distance and it's up on top of this mesa but with it are all these dome shaped objects and I'm going how did they get on the top of the mesa and get the shapes that they got it doesn't it didn't fit I don't even think that that arch is a, a natural formation. I think it was artificially created because on top of it is this disc that is sitting perpendicular to the uh, on. It's almost like precariously balanced on top of this arch, and it's a disc. And I'm going that does not fit the the idea of this being natural. But I want to I want to get to the the monolith in in Utah. When the pictures first started coming out and people started flocking into the area and I'm watching the pictures come out of the area, I'm looking at the, the main one, 3A, and I'm going, and nobody sees the freaking Puma head sticking out the wall <laughs> on the left side. And I'm like, I mean, that's obvious. That is so obvious. And then I kept looking to the right, and I'm seeing something on the right side of it that's got like this nice, clean S-curve, and I'm going, what the heck am I looking at? But I couldn't figure out what it was. But when I get to 3C, I'll tell you what it was. And then we get 3B, and the 3B is from Mars. Good old Perseverance rover, yep. And in that picture is what they call the balanced rock. It's sitting on this sloping pedestal. It should have rolled off or something like that, but it's been sitting there for whatever. And then down below it, it looks like the head of Optimus Prime. It's a (laughs) transformer. Anyway, but then I'm looking at what's on the wall to the right of it, and I'm going, nobody sees the snake head sticking out the wall? Or a big crocodile. Well, to me, actually, it looks more I, like a crocodile. Well, when I actually got to look at it closer and better, it's the head of a badger. And not only is the really? head there, it's not only the head of the, the badger, but the arm or claw or paw of the badger is sticking out I below I wondered that what a badger was. Thing. So you need to replace the G with the D in the caption. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. 
Oh, I okay. Sorry. <laughs> no problem. So the the yeah you know, the the slope the slope on the nose of the badger all of it's there. I thought it was a snake, and somebody actually wrote an article about you know what about the snakehead sticking out the you know the the, the wall there. But what is behind that to the right is a much bigger structure. Yep. And it's a it's a huge sculpture of a Gila monster. Mm. I mean, it. I'm going, and and you got the arm and everything right there, and I'm going. Nobody sees this stuff. People look, but they don't see, and that's what drives me crazy. Oh, you're just reading stuff into it. You can't read those many things into these areas. Now, when we get to 3C, these guys from the the Park Service, I think they were Park Service. Yeah. yeah, they took pictures looking down into this little valley area. And now I could see that wall on the the right side, and it's a freaking cat head. It's a kitty. It's a big going, kitty. Nobody sees this. Meow. And then when the idiots came and tore down, <laughs> tore down the the uh, monolith, then someone took a picture looking straight at the the puma head. I'm calling it a puma head. You said it looks like a dinosaur. So did my wife, but it's, it's puma head to me. But in the right, there's an outcove on the right side of the puma head, and in there is a etching or sculpture of an eagle, and you can see the the talons, the the wings, and it's in that little outcove. And I'm going, okay, here we go. We got a cat, we got a puma, we got an eagle, and up above the eagle is what looks like a panda or something, and I'm going, there's too many things grouped together well, here. Well, yeah, you have all these familiar animals etched supposedly by random erosion in one little canyon that, for God's sake, somebody decided to put a huge three-dimensional version of a tetrahedron as a column, as a monolith, to mark something important about this site. Yeah. Um, so 3D is showing the picture that the Park Service took looking down into from the up above. The 3E is the Park Service down at, you know, at the level looking from a different angle. Right. With and a much better camera. See, yeah, but now you can see on the right side, you can see what makes cat. up the face of the cat. But then... To the left, where the two guys are walking, and one guy is closest to this boulder sitting out there, and I've got other pictures of the boulder at a different angle. It does not belong there. It looks like a monkey face, a huge monkey face, like it was a, a head of something. Uh, that well, it also looks artificial. It's got geometry. It looks like it was a cut stone that someone yeah. then carved an effigy on the front facing the guy in the green... Uh, uh, park uniform. Right. And it also has, it looks like, uh, some kind of headdress on or something. That the way it's, the, the back curves perfect, is perfect curvature on the back. And I'm going, the, you know, these things can't be all natural. Now, <clears throat> I'm, I'm rushing through this because Jonathan's got some great stuff. And, and when we got started on this and I, I pointed all the stuff out to him, he flew, and he started getting stuff off of 
Google Earth and other places and other pictures from other people and and he put all the pieces together and he's got enough to tell you about the alignments, the solstice alignments and the sunrises and so forth that align the way these things are laid out because this is ancient, ancient artwork and and construction in this area. In, it's a in time Utah. capsule or frankly probably a series of time capsules, you know, no single point failure. So Okay. So uh, I want to get John on and start doing his thing because he's got some really interesting stuff. And if you click on uh, the Fast Items Jonathan, it'll take you to the page that I put all his stuff on, and then you can watch this, um, yeah. watch him go through all of his stuff. But it's what he's found. He brought me to tears when he he did the animation when I told him that that pillar behind the balance rock looked like there's an elephant in there. And he did an animation with the an elephant that was actually moving, and he zoomed in, in, into it and kind of overlaid it over top of it, and it brought me to tears. I was like, this is exactly what we're looking at here. And he, and he's flown. He's, he's come up with so much stuff now. It is – I don't see how anybody could look at this evidence and go, this is just natural. Well, we've got to get uh, – uh, uh, what's his name? Steve Walters to take this seriously. So we probably need a conference call, John. And let me, yes. let me formally introduce you. Okay. Cause we've okay. had, uh, we have Steve on the show uh, a couple of times and, you know, I got him kind of intrigued with the monolith in Utah Canyon, but he's inundated. So his attention. Scott. You mean Scott Walter. Scott. I'm sorry. What did I say? Steven? Yeah. Scott. Uh, so his attention wandered and we've got to get it focused back on this because unless someone with the right reputation begins to do serious science, none of the other stuff that you guys are doing is going to be, you know, taken seriously. And it, 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 it's, it's over, it's long overdue. So let me give a kind of a formal introduce introduction, Jonathan Womack um, among his many notables, and you can go to the other side of midnight and click on bios and it'll take you to John's bio and to Keith's bio and to George's bio. And we're hoping that we might have a little uh, look in by Maria Wheatley tonight She's in England, and she's been uh, kind of jet-lagged, having been away on travel, so we may or may not have her tonight, but we'll have her uh, on this for a future show. Getting back to John. John uh, is an experiencer uh, directly with out-of-body experiences, and that's we've done a couple of shows uh, profiling those. He's also a generalist, like our friend Ron Gerbron. He is an exquisitely... Uh, talented 3D computer CGI person, an expert. He uh, hosts a uh, website. He actually has a podcast, um, which uh, we'll talk about a bit. And um, he has been very interested in in uh, terrestrial ancient archaeology because he, like all the rest of us gathered here, do not believe that 20th century or 21st century human civilization is the epitome of human progress, but in fact, we're coming up the curve of folks that were here before us and left really extraordinary stuff. So, John, why don't you pick it up there? Actually talk about how your interest segued from Keith's direct experience and where we are tonight, because you've come a long, long way, baby. 
Yes, Richard, this has brought me full cycle because when I was nine years old, I lived in Indiana and my family took a trip. Our neighbors had moved out to Colorado to a miles outside of a, a town called Elbert, 180 people, just a little, you oh know. Oh, my God. One. Yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you blink on the highway, you miss it. So we go out to visit them, and they have this ranch. It was so awesome. I loved it, and I went out of body, and I'm flying around the mountains, and I notice what looks like monuments, murals, you know, the whole thing. And, you know, that was 50-some years ago. Now, wait, you're, you're, you're nine, right? I'm nine years old, and another cool Had thing Had anybody is ever talked to you about ancient monuments in Utah? No, this was in the 1960s, so all of this, um, this was before Eric Von Daniken, this was before any of this stuff. And another cool thing is we, we took a Jeep ride through Cripple Creek Mines, and the, and the, um, the catalog, or the, you know, they give you the guidebook, it has, uh, we're, we're riding up this Womack Hill, and we're, we're telling the guide driving the Jeep, yeah, that's our name, Womack. <laughs> You look on the page and it's the it's Robert Womack with the handlebar mustache. So my brother Bob's like, hey, that's me. And indeed, he ended up moving out there um, to Colorado. And I've had two other brothers followed him out there. So we have some kind of tie. And then when I found this, um, you know, this Anunnaki stuff, I felt like I know this place. I know this place. I've been here. I know this place. Hmm. Okay, so let's start with item number one. Uh, number and, one and for I'm... everybody who needs to know how to get there, you go to the other side of midnight.com, you click on tonight's banner, which is uh, Queen Hera. Uh, that will take you to the guest page. Under the banner on the guest page, you see fast links to items. Keith has prepared an entire sole page because Jonathan has a lot of images. Click on that. That will take you to his guest page. The first one says Courthouse Tower. Archers National Park. Take it away. Yeah, these images are highlights from a webinar I have coming up on November 3rd. You can get tickets at jonathanwomack.com. There's 750. Um, I'll be going into detail. Uh, I'll be doing a series, one on Park Ave, one on the Balanced Rock Complex, another on Delicate Arch. I've been studying these places for the last year and a month. Uh, you know, since Keith showed those, it was August of last year when Keith showed those photos and I just went, you know, my mouth fell open and I'm seeing all this stuff leap out at me. I'm like, oh my God, I have to stop what I'm doing. My whole life is like coming to it. This is a change. So it was a huge, it was a big deal. And uh, so number one there, you see uh, the courthouse tower and I put a little red triangle there because we're going to be looking at courthouse tower that when you see these triangular slits in the rocks, it's a sure sign that that is an alignment. It's so a, these are kind of like rifle sites that someone has carved into the bedrock. Yes. And, but you know, behind you see the tower of Babel. This is the name. It's funny. Some of the names that the Rangers come up with, because, I just find it interesting because when you find out what you're really looking at, you're like, oh, that's funny. So anyway, the, the Tower of Babel there, these two structures mark this grand avenue that is coming down here, and it leads to these, this monument of these three kings. And then you can 
either take a right and go to the, I'm calling it the Grand Gallery, or you can take a left and walk down Park Ave. So now, um, now were these I, names given by the park rangers? Uh, yes, Courthouse uh, and Tower of Babel. That's by the um, the rangers. Yeah. Huh. I wonder so, why they, they attach those names. So number two, um, there's a few images here from the movie Oblivion uh, with Tom Cruise. I'm not giving away any spoilers, but this is after a a war with aliens. This is years, you know, this is in the future. And he lives in this cloud apartment up in the clouds, and he's like a maintenance guy. And they send him down to check stuff here and there. And um, nobody really lives on Earth, but... Um, so he's found a couple places that he likes. One is um, the New York li- Library. And in item four, you can see the top of that. And the ground, you notice, is at the top of the library. And that's what Arches Park is. They say how all these monuments came to be is that the ground used to be at the top of these monuments back when the dinosaurs were here. And then over time, it eroded away from wind and rain, and it left all these monuments. And I know for a fact that's a bunch of hogwash. And, you know, it makes me sick that we have this travesty that these Anunnaki left us this legacy for us to find and decode and come, you know, and come reunion with them. And so anyway, uh, so Oblivion, you have, you know, the grounds way up to the top (laughs) Tom Cruise, he finds books and, you know, he goes to the state Yankee stadium, you know, he's read about baseball. And so he's got these favorite places. And of course, then in five and six is the uh, empire state building. And then number seven, you have the, the bridge there. The gold, uh, the, uh, uh, the, the probably George Washington, George Washington, I would think. Yeah. yeah. yeah it looks like so seven a is just, you, you can find many. So maps. these are in this actually, it's a very good movie. It's uh, Rob and I saw yeah. it a long time ago. Um, yeah. What's interesting is that it depicts accurately ancient technology that's been buried and thereby preserved that has been relatively recently eroded, exposed to where it's recognizable as ancient architecture and technology. Yes. Yep. Very apropos. Oh, in 7A, it's just a map. I mean, in 7A, this map doesn't even have uh, arches is on the top edge just out of the picture. It's next to Canyonlands, but it just shows all these other parks, you know, way down to the left corner in Sedona. That's all Anunnaki uh, monuments. You, all these places, Monument Valley, I am going to do a, a ridiculous, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. I, I spent some time there and it's, it's you know, it just blows. It blows can, your mind, yeah. Yeah. Can I, I make a, a comment about number two? Because yeah, remember, I said I was looking at it. Let me and go back I, to number two. It looks like a crater, and I was going to put a comment in there because I thought it was a it was some area that I didn't know about. And I was going to no, it. it's, it's a, the movie. It's the movie. Exp- yeah, I looked at it and I thought, <laughs> "Holy cow, John! What have you found?" And because yeah, it had a lot of geometry and structure, <laughs> yep, and yep, I'm yep. going, you have to zoom in to see it, though. Well, this is a complete diversion, except it's not. Do you remember that photograph, John and Keith, taken by the Gemini astronauts way back in the Gemini program when they were just experimenting around with taking a, a, a color camera and some Kodak film and taking photographs of the Earth from orbit? I mean, that seems so obvious now. Back then, it was like a big deal. 
It's like they didn't know whether they'd even come out, whether they'd see anything. It was all very experimental. And the guys literally, I mean, John Glenn went out for his mission on, on, on Mercury. He went to a, to a drugstore and bought an off-the-shelf little throwaway camera to take pictures in space because NASA had no idea that pictures would be important. It's really bizarre. Anyway, from the Gemini program, they looked down in Africa and they saw this huge circular tiered, what they call the Rickart structure. And it's been a mystery for decades and decades and decades. Frankly, uh, Ruggiero and I have been doing some quiet work and he probably will talk about it some night. I think this is Atlantis. It's got all the geometry of ancient Plato's description of Atlantis, and it has all the geometry that you see in your number two, John, except it's for real part of a movie on a huge scale. Yeah, exactly. So the Earth seems to be littered with ancient evidence that we are not the first, and it's being rigorously denied by everybody who can deny it, because remember, we're in prison. We're not supposed to know we're not the first. Yeah, this is all over the Earth. Now, not the arches, though. This is a unique unique place on the Earth. There's no other place like Arches Park with all these. There's 2,500 arches. It's on the most stable plateau on Earth, the Colorado Plateau. There's no earthquakes. It's in a dry region, so... Uh, you get these monsoons, but it's very dry and arid. They wanted this place to last a very long time so that we would find it and decode it and, and then come ring on their doorbell. So um, item number eight is just uh, looking down from Google Earth. Anybody listening can download Google Earth Pro for free and um, open it up and you can follow us along if you like and look around yourself. I encourage everybody to go there. Oh, I was hoping you would do this because I love maps. It orients you. So, Yeah, and uh, anybody can do this. I hope people will be inspired to look at these places from from my work and then hopefully expand on it. now, number nine is just another overview. We're going to be spending most of our time in the red circle, which is Park Avenue. And I put it, you see a, a rectangular inset inside the red circle. That's to point out the spot that in all of planet Earth even, but in Arches Park, I mean, this is all over the American West, but this spot here in Park Ave is very key because if we wanted to code the technology behind the portals to to go meet again with the Anunnaki, uh, we need a, a, a key code. We need to find, and this is where I found it. So um, number 10, number 10 is another overview. You can see Park Avenue there. Uh, a is what I'm calling the at first, I was calling it the Horus mural um, because that big bird on it, like Keith said, this is where Keith saw this. He calls it the Nefertiti head. You know, it's not Nefertiti. It's more Hera, but yeah, it looks like Nefertiti. So the Nefertiti's there, and then behind it, like Keith said, I said, Keith, look at that mural. There's a, you know, the giant bird, is Hor- and you got all this stuff. So I've been spending, like I said, the last year decoding all of this, and um, made some astonishing discoveries. And so in A, we have 
the harem mural, this cliff wall mural, and B is the key code. So those two points. And then C and D are showing you that they have these, they use these targeting sites. What they do. Okay, there we are. It's like uh, this collector technology. I'm calling it light sonics. You have to call it something, but it's collecting and manipulating light and sound to do things for for them the these anunnaki it's part of their technology we don't have this it's very advanced but this is giving us insights into their technology so c and d are these sites like on a rifle when you aim at something and then up in the right corner you see uh, a green circle with e that is the south window arch in the balanced rock complex there are seven arches right in there the big arches so this is a very complex arcology where there's some serious technology going on. But when the sun comes up, <clears throat> it shines through there, and it, that blue, dark blue beam comes through the B on, in Arches Park. It's, that wall is like a partition, and it has all these kind of lenses and cutaways where light is So there's through. sight lines, and there's holes cut yep. in the rock, so you look from one to the other and it focuses your attention on a narrow field of view that you're supposed to pay attention to. Exactly. And the blue beam is shining on. And now, obviously, the odds of this happening by chance and nature and erosion is, is crapola. Yeah, it's astronomical. Um, so uh, moving on, um, 11 is another view of Arches Park. We're looking over the Yeah, we the basically have the... 30 seconds, so let's reach a stopping point oh. here, okay? Okay. So, my guest this morning is Jonathan Womack, and uh, Keith has been out here. He was alerted to the idea that these things are not exactly natural as far back as 2014. And uh, we're talking basically about ancient terrestrial time capsules left by maybe... The same folks that left Didymos and Dimorphos as aligned time capsules across half the solar system. And NASA went out the other day and promptly destroyed them. You think they did it by design or was it just a really dumb, dumb accident? You're on the other side of midnight. My name is Richard C. Hoagland. We shall return.
TheOtherSideOfMidnight.com Tune in to listen to Richard C. Hoagland and his fascinating guests. Join Club 19.5 to get access to exclusive member benefits. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll gain access to the rest of this show and all previous 350 episodes. Membership costs $9.95 a month, 33 cents a day. Support the broadcast that provides you with the most interesting conversation available. Talk radio at the cutting edge of science and thought. TheOtherSideOfMidnight.com Welcome back, everyone, on this Sunday night, October 9th, 2022, where we're waiting for the results from NASA of their uh, inadvertent, oblivious, uh, completely mindless destruction of what uh, I and a lot of the people here have independently come to believe is some kind of extraordinary ancient time capsule left in space in the asteroid belt for us that NASA really seem to have totally destroyed. And we'll find out whether they're going to admit anything that they've really done on Tuesday, and I would not uh, hold your breath. However, the good news is that these extraordinarily ancient far-seeing ancestors seem to have uh, had as their mantra the same mantra that NASA used to practice, which was no single point failure. So they have scattered across the Earth, and we're talking about only one small location tonight in the Western American state of Utah, where extraordinary stuff of extraordinary age and extraordinary importance has been left for us. So, John, pick up the story, please. Sure. Uh, let's go to item number 11A. It just shows you when you walk, you enter the trail into the avenue. This is on the left side of this avenue. And you have the Nefertiti head. And, and beyond that is the Hera mural. And at the far end is, Good I call it the grief. Hall of Gods. You know what this yeah. reminds me of? What? Andrew, if you're listening, you might want to call in. Because this looks like some of the stuff left on the sides of... Uh, Temple Butte in Jezero Crater on Mars, photographed by Perseverance. It's eerily I, similar. I would not doubt that at all, because this is all... Wow. Yeah, I mean... And look at the Hall of Gods at the end there. I mean, that place is you magnificent. Mean, you, you mean on the right? Yeah, on the right. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. look at, look at those stunning. panels. Look at, they look like pre-cut panels where you're supposed... I'll bet they tell some kind of sequential story. Yeah, but they're absolutely. very, very old. Have you got any idea, based on any real science, as to how old this stuff could be? Uh, well, I they seem to be like you said. It's hard to date rocks, so the theories are this could be a million years old, but 
from what Keith said about the Anunnaki, they came here 400 or 50,000 years ago. So I'm thinking that's probably, that, that could be the date of what we're looking at. And number 12 is, again, the Queen Hera mural with the Os, you know, this Horus bird. And number, number, number 13. 12. Hang on, hang on. Let me look at number 12. I'm going to go through these quickly because it's a lot, and i got to get to the, okay. the revelations. Right. <laughs> There's good old um, Nefertiti at the top in the middle. Okay. Yeah. And now, now what, 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 what did you call this? What are we supposed to look for? Uh, number 12? Yeah. Well, I'm calling this cliff wall the Hera mural. I was calling it the Horus mural right. because of the bird, and I found obvious statues of Horus around the park. So that's who that is. And uh, But now I see at the, very, at the top crest of that cliff wall in number 12 is Hera's face, and... You know, you have that nice crest there. She's right. She's right in there. So, and then number thirteen, you're looking down the same Trail Park Avenue, and on the right, you can see that partition with these cutaways in the in the wall. And then number thirteen, you know, this this great hall, this Hall of the Gods. It's really beautiful. And these places, they're not just um, they didn't just build these representations of their home world. They they left us chambers inside as well. They left us some treasures. So how do we number, how do we know that? I'm telling you this now so that when it comes out, but how go, do you oh, know that? Uh, because I've been there out of body. So uh, you visited example. in an out of body experience. Okay, then you know. Yeah, nothing to be ashamed and of. I, Full disclosure. For example, I I went looking for arches around the world and I found get this. The delicate arch has a twin sister arch, and it's on the exact opposite side of the planet. Now, the delicate arch is the, one of the features in this park, right? It is. We'll get to that okay. uh, soon. I'm just going to touch on it. That needs a whole show. The, the place hmm. is incredibly amazing and the technology and everything. So uh, that's for another show. But uh, let's see, number 14 um, now we're looking back at the opposite direction, at the beginning of the trail, and Nefertiti's on the right there in that little castle area. And on the left is that partition with the cutaways. And then you can see I'm calling it the Anubis Chamber because they have all these chambers around, outdoor chambers that are collecting the sun and sound to... They manipulate it into doing it's doing something. I, I believe they're healing chambers and, and more. There's more to it than just healing. So uh, that's the Anubis chamber, and I touch now, on if, this. Now, if, if we hang on this just for a minute, if you look on the lower left-hand side, just a bit to the left of the center, there's a human figure. You see him or her mm-hmm. wearing a brown jacket and jeans? That's about halfway to those that circular semi-hemispherical uh, panoply up above, giving you a sense of the scale. Let's assume that's a five, five-and-a-half-foot figure. The, the scale of this is extraordinary. Now, let me see if I can share with you. Um, if you were standing up on that little stage there, I'm calling the Anubis... Um, chamber it's like a stage area a flat kind of and then you have this uh opening where the blue light you can see blue light coming in through this vertical 
slot on the left side of that slot there's an anunnaki face that's enki right there his face you can you know his nose and his mouth is how you can see him looking to the right now i you know i i've got to where i spot these things pretty okay. easily and um i i do highlight later in my presentation now what do you say to people who look at this and they just see rocks and they don't see anything that you see well, you can't say anything to those people, but a lot of people in the videos I watch on YouTube, the vacation videos, um, I'm encouraged by the number of people that go, that's ruins. And I go, yes, thank you. There's people awake and aware. And there's the guy who put the monolith over in Canyonlands, the Utah monolith you were talking about earlier. I have some background information on that. too. So. Let's, uh, wait, 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 wait. We know who put the monolith in that canyon? Uh, no. I feel I know why they put it there. So, uh, number 15, that's another view there of uh, some wall. Kind of look now, number, six, yeah. no, number 16 and 17. Well, there's some obvious uh, manufactured stuff kind of in the middle of the picture sticking up against the blue sky. Yeah. I mean, there's just all yeah, kinds it, of what look to be carvings or deliberate geometry. Oh God. Yes. So but number six is so old, John. I mean, this is yeah. really old. There's some urgency because two of the arches have collapsed. And in 1972, part of balance rock collapsed. It's uh, this, um, fish man or whatever you want to call him. It's his, heir to the throne and he fell over and collapsed and oh. it was, and, it's an alignment, the solar alignment, when the sun comes up and, the, and on the head of the thing, and, and that fell over. So there's some urgency. We don't want delicate arch to collapse before we can use it. We've got to figure it out and ring the doorbell, and um, everything changes when we do that. Now, number 16 and 17 is from uh, August. We, I was on your show, Richard. You asked me to tease a mm -hmm. few images. And um, so I laid some of this out. And number 16, I guess what I really want to point out is on the right side, I show the long skull woman bust or Nefertiti, as Keith calls it. To the left of her, I have a yellow circle highlighting her husband. I'm calling him Enki, the, the guy that runs, you know, these people are featured in these sections of Arches Park. I'm getting to know these people. So I'm calling him Enki because that kind of seems to be the, the big daddy of the Anunnaki there. So you can see his head there. He's looking to the right. They're very stern looking. You know, they all look the same, this race of Anunnaki people. And then below him in these rocks, you have his heirs. You have the daughter and the long skull man bust is actually his son. So they're very family oriented because they have their families portrayed in this stuff. So uh, like on the left, I saw this Anubis bust and that's how I found the Anubis chamber. Um, and uh, Sunslot A is part of this key code I was talking about. Um, are, we, are we still on 17? Uh, we're still on 16. 16, okay. Yeah. So 17, yeah, 17 just shows... Um, you know, an Anunnaki there sitting on the throne, and that's on that same wall there. Um, 
you know, just to just to the right of image 16. Now we're looking at, and I highlighted that because everything, every inch of these, right above a certain line of the ground, you know, you have like the foundation of these structures, and then everything above that is sculpted. Now number 18. Again, we're looking back at the trailhead beginning. Uh, you come walking through the trail here, and on the right, I've highlighted three. When you see these type of slots, again, you know this is a sure sign that there is an alignment. They're alignment happy, and if you could put magic glasses on and look down in Arches Park, you'd see all these lights all going around, different frequencies, red, blue, yoga, all the colors of the rainbow, and they're manipulating all of these frequencies for their benefits. And... Uh, the left one is a triangle, you know, I put a triangle there, a yellow triangle. Um, and then the middle one you have, it's kind of a triangle again. And then on the right you have this, um, it reminds me of when a director holds up his hands in front of his face. He puts well, it's, his like, thumbs. It's, like, it's like framing. Framing. But in order to see He's, what's being framed, you have to be standing in midair, uh, uh, 500 feet above the floor of the, of the canyon, don't On you? On top of the Hiram mural, yeah, yeah. Okay. Because that's where it's pointing as is her face. And the other end of that, well, I'm going to show you that uh, just in a minute here. Number 19 is a close-up of that. Uh, number 20. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Oh. Don't, don't go so fast. Gosh. <laughs> you know. Okay. 19. People need time to savor these. Well, you can come back, and I'm going to put this on my YouTube channel. So this will be, you can come back. I'm hurrying because you can come back and look at them at your leisure. I want to get through them so I can get out these revelations and inspire people to to find other discoveries and so forth. So um, number 20, this is looking at that frame that you just said you need to be 500 feet up, and you see it's pointing right at, now, where the in the picture mural. is the frame? Oh, there it is with the yellow, the yellow, okay. Yellow uh, yeah, rectangle. Right. So yep. when you look through that frame, you're framing that mural behind it. That's that cliff. Yes, and you're framing a particular spot. It's, it's her face. And when you look from the other direction, it's on the Anki mural, and it's Anki's face. Hmm. So they're, it's, they're together. You, you keep know, calling this, this the Queen Hera mural. In fact, this whole thing tonight, the show is you know, Queen Hera on Park Avenue. Hera, of course, is the name of the European mission going back to Didymos in two years. Tell everybody the potential connection. Hera is the mother in Greek mythology, the mother of humanity. Ah, Uh, okay. Yes. Ding, 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 uh, ding, ding, ding. If you're a DC fan, you know, Wonder Woman always says, great Hera. (laughs) And... I figure, you know, Hera is um, the, the Anunnaki mother. Well, then mother the question obviously to... comes up. Why do the Europeans call the follow-on mission to Didymos Hera if it's just two rocks orbiting each other randomly? In yeah. other words, yeah. did they know it's a time capsule or it was? Good question. Good question, yeah. Um all right, let's move on to number 21. Uh, oh, oh, this, this shows cool. you 
from the Queen Harem, you're, you're looking back through that same frame. The, uh, oh, the little yellow square back. is your is little sight line, okay, under and the so-called Anki mural. There's the Anki mural. I mean, I'm just calling it, most of these places, I've had to come up with a thousand different names. I'm going to have oh, to start doing alphanumeric. gosh. <laughs> I, I'm running out of names. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Everywhere you look, you're like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. So Google is your friend. Uh, let's move on to, yeah, anybody can do this with Google Earth or Google Earth Pro. I like Google Earth Pro because you can use, they have a sundial feature where you can move this time dial through the minutes and hours of the day, and it shows the sun moving across the sky. And So wait, you mean they I put in the program multiple images of these same objects at different times of day, so when you move the sundial, you're literally calling up from an archive different images which synthesize the sun's movements and the shadow movements and all that, right? Yeah. Now, they don't have the moon. They probably will at some point. But this has allowed me um, to find I was looking for these, the sacred aperture that I saw in, during an OBE. And I couldn't find it. And I, and I just had to put it away for a while. And I'm working with Maria. I'm producing Maria's uh, documentary on Stonehenge. And so I went, you know, like a month without. And then last month, 923 September 23rd the fall equinox I go this is a good time to go back and they have the sundial and that is when I found the sacred aperture and the key code so what do you to, mean a sacred yeah. aperture uh, I'm going to get to that in a few more slides so let's no but to you have to define what you're talking about what's a sacred aperture? I'm going to show you what I what I'm talking about you have to wait so <laughs> Uh, number 22 is a bit mis misnumbered. We're actually looking down at the sacred apertures from the top, but we will come back to that because I, I guess I misnumbered that. Number 22A, um, this is a quick alignment with the courthouse towers. Uh, I showed you in my very first slide, I put a red rectangle in this slot. And it's, like I said, a sure sign that it's an alignment. I'm going to show you that alignment now. So number 23 we're looking at through the courthouse towers from, you know, behind it, I guess now from the opposite angle, we're looking down into Park Avenue. And I think you see where this is going. The Queen Bust and her family forms a wedge. It's like almost a triangular foundation. And they form this wedge that is pointed directly at courthouse towers and right at that slot. It like fits that slot. It's crazy. So let's go to 24. I've zoomed in a bit more with the camera on Google Earth. And you can, again, see where I'm going with this, I'm sure. Number 25. Now, number 25. This reminds you of that old movie. It's Tuesday. It must be Belgium. <laughs> it's an old so uh, traveling joke. Um, number 25, I, I paused to... Consider if I'm dialing in on the right uh, monument, because as you move the camera around, you know, you kind of get there's the, you know, the Nefertiti is on the right side. The arrow is pointing to the Nefertiti head and you got her family there, that wedge, which pointer. But you also have I call it the Park Avenue end cap, that partition wall that we've been looking at. This is the end of that wall. 
and it's an extraordinary spot. And I wondered, but I, I've come to the decision that no, this is aligned to the Nefertiti head. But number 25A is an actual photograph of the Park Ave end cap. And you can see these stunning sculptures that are staring down at, you know, at us. So um, it seems so obvious to me. Uh, number 26. So here I am. I've closed another close up of the courthouse tower slot. And you can see on the, the left side is the end cap of Parga. In the middle area is the Nefertiti head and the wedge. And on the right, you can just see the um, Mira or Hera, Queen Hera mural kind of sticking out there. So those three, those three artifacts there and just looking at it and you're lining up the camera and number 27 really lines it up. And it's right on, you know, if you get the camera level and straight and all this kind of thing. And So when you say um, get the camera, you mean that Google Earth has a three-dimensional fly-through model that's animated yep. that takes has taken, like, Google Earth surface views and put them all into a program so you can literally fly around 3D Arches National Park. Yeah, they use – they take pictures – uh, they use a, a software called photogrammetry, and they'll take a picture from, like, the front, the side, and the well, top. Well, they must have taken drones up there and taken aerial imagery. Yeah, and then, then the computer actually does its AI, and it just it puts it together in a 3D image. It's right. very low poly. You know, there's not very many polygons, so it's low resolution. And that's why I go to YouTube and watch their vacation videos, and then I can see the actual what it looks like and the details. So number 28. Okay, now I'm going to show you that um, that blue line uh, alignment from slide 10, I guess that was. We're looking back at Arches Park now from South Window Arch. Now these, these two arches are called, this is in the Balanced Rock Complex, and they're called Window Arches, but I believe they're windows to the soul. These are the eyes of, if it's not Queen Hera, it's Enki or somebody like that, because, you know, this is all part of a story. This is looking over her, you know, she's the mother of, of humanity, according to the, the stories. So this is all telling the story. Now we're looking back and you can see in the distance, there's that partition wall of Park Ave with the cutaway. I call it Sun Slot A, and just to the left of that is where I found the sacred aperture that was hidden until I found it last month. Um, and then uh, you also, I circled Petrifying Dudes, Dunes Heelstone. That's what I'm calling that because I think there is a uh, Stonehenge's modern architecture. That's, that's modern construction compared to what we're looking at now, but I do think there is a connection. And you can see this, you know, it's out in the middle of this, this, this flat land through here is called uh, the Petrified Dunes by the park rangers. And there are a few of these heelstone type markers because you know, as soon as you see something like that sticking up, you know it's part of uh, solar or lunar alignment. 
Uh, 28A is a, a real picture of the south window looking through there. You know, a human standing there is really tiny. This thing is huge. And So what are we it, seeing in the middle of the eye or the window? What is that other ob- striking set of objects beyond? That's turret arch. Um, and I see a figure like, to the upper left. That's bi- right. Bilateral face, very grim guy. Uh, that is an Anunnaki. That's his head. I don't want to meet them in a dark alley at night. No way. (laughs) Yeah, they look very stern. They're kind of scary-looking dudes. Um, But, yeah, the the technology involved, what what we're looking at here is just astounding. So your theory is that these sight lines, these openings in the rock, were literally carved or taken out with a beam or some kind of technology to produce these vistas and these sight lines to tell a larger tableau story. And the story is so incredible. It's, it's the greatest story ever told. Uh, 28B um, and 28C, I just took a picture of that heel stone uh, so you can see a little better. And, so this is in the um, computer reconstruction, and you can put sunrise yeah. at whatever season and then stand anywhere and look for alignments. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So number 29 now, this is the blue beam coming from the south window arch, and it crosses the petrified dunes, and it comes right through here, this sun slot A, as I call it. And to the left of that, I, I actually marked where the sacred, sacred aperture is. I'm just calling it that to have something. that i got to call it something. And it's funny because you can't see it from this angle, and it, it was only because I was moving. This is the that sun little around. V thing in the top of the, uh, the structure, right? Um, it's below that. You can't see it, um, but I'm highlighting that whole area, and it's actually below that. And it's an astonishing feature. And they hit it for. You mean mean they, there's there's a little peephole at the there base are at this? Yeah. Is it human height? Is your supposed to be able to walk along that cliff and look through it? Uh, No, you'd have to climb up to it. And these apertures, I mean, they're going to look small in the pictures, but, you know, a human could stand inside these apertures. Okay, all right. So as you can see, this blue beam hits directly on Nefertiti's head, and it's right on the side. I actually took a picture, uh, number 30, I... I took a picture to show that flat side of her head and that's right where the beam is hitting. So, and number 31 is another picture. You can see right where this beam would hit this flat side of her face. And whether you're going to see that light up now at certain times of day, it's going to light up. Um, this is happening every day where certain things are lighting up at certain times of the day. And, but you might not see it because Maria was the one that pointed out to me, we were talking about this and she mentioned, I don't remember the guy's name, but he's a geomancer. And he said at dawn, um, these kind of sites will capture red long wave light and, you know, send it somewhere or that kind of thing and i go that's what that's what we're seeing here at arches park is hmm. all this light coming through here and they're directing it and hey well, um we are at the bottom of the hour 
Oh, my guest this morning is Jonathan Womack, and we're going to be joined shortly by Georgia Lambert. I guess Maria is still gently snoozing, which is good. You know, she needs it. And, of course, Keith is standing by. Uh, you can chime in anytime you want, Keith. This is uh, you've been there. I haven't. Oh, I'm so envious. Anyway, guys, we're talking about ancient time capsules here on Earth and the connecting glue in terms of John's overview of uh, Queen Hera laid out on the canyon walls of this extraordinary Arches Park National Monument is the connection to the European mission back to Didymos and Dimorphos in two years, just coincidentally called the Hera mission. What did they know and when did they know it? We shall return. Midnight.com. Tune in to listen to Richard C. Hogland and his fascinating guests. Support the broadcast and don't miss another groundbreaking conversation. Join Club 19.5 to get access to exclusive member benefits. Listen to past episodes anytime on any device. Search the archives of over 180 episodes. Membership costs $9.95 a month, 33 cents a day. Talk radio at the cutting edge of science and thought. The other side of midnight.com. Welcome back, everyone, on this Sunday night, October 9th. We're delving into time capsules, incredibly, impossibly old, ancient ancestors, if the model is correct, time capsules, left by maybe not just one predecessor civilization, but maybe a succession of civilizations. If we only could date the erosion. We see in Archer's Park. You know, there's actually, John, a technology which uh, I learned from, um, oh, I'm trying to remember the guy's name. He did a lot of work in Egypt um, on the uh, Sphinx, and I'm blanking on his name at the moment. Is it Shown, the guy from BU? No, 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 no. It'll come to me. Anyway, um, he and I were discussing how you could date the samples of rock that he casually kind of clandestinely picked up around the uh, Sphinx enclosure 
<clears throat> and we were talking about talking about Robert Shock. Robert Shock. Robert Shock. Thank you. Shock. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Anyway, we were talking about cosmic ray dating, because if you carve rock and you expose what's underneath, the uncarved rock next to it will have a certain cosmic ray exposure age, based on secondaries that are you know coming down from the atmosphere from cosmic rays hitting the Earth's atmosphere from space, from the galaxy and, you know, summer's solar radiation and all that. The carved parts will be younger. So if you can find a pristine part and get a kind of a baseline, you could conceivably, if you took little core samplings, like a dotted matrix, like a bunch of dots, you know, little tiny holes, almost like dentist drill holes, you might be able to get a cosmic ray dating of how ancient these murals and structures and monoliths and friezes really are. And I'm with you. Well, I'm going to contact him, Richard. Uh, it was Maria's idea. Yeah, yeah by all means. I'm going to contact him and Scott Walter. Um, that's why I was so excited about this show. And then I can send it to him and say, check this out. <laughs> Let's get busy. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, number 32, I'm just going to show another quick alignment, and I show this red line coming through this avenue, and um, it shoots through the petrified dunes across there, and it goes to the, of course, the partition at Park Avenue that we've been looking at, and then number 33, this is the area where it's coming from. It's called Fish Seat Draw. They just incorporated this into the park a couple of years ago. Mm. And it's too bad because I've only found one person that on YouTube, uh, the guy's channel, he's got like a couple hundred thousand, you know, he travels around the parks. And um, it's called SUVEEN. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, we know how he, he goes travels. around. Yes. Yeah, okay. you go, yeah, and um, and it was so cool. There's a new story because I'm watching the video. Cause Have I found you reached somebody... out to any of these people and said, "Hey, got any outtakes that you haven't put up?" Yeah. Or I, are you I going back and would you take some videos specifically for this project? Well, I I contacted him. Uh, let me tell you the story. I'm watching the video because I got so excited. I found somebody that's going to fish seat draw with a camera. <laughs> so I'm watching. And of course, it's just. You know, everything's stunning to look at. I'm blown away. He's walking around like, I, I, I'm thinking, does, does he get does, it? or Does he, he know does, what's behind him? Does he know? Does he get it? Or is he just walking? You know, it just looks cool. So he's walking along and he comes to an, uh, he goes to a couple arches. But when he comes up to, it's a small arch. And the def definition of an arch is any arch that's three meters or larger. So, uh, uh, no, I'm sorry, three feet. I get it. It's that, one meter. That, that's a meter, yeah. Yeah, one meter. So he comes up to this one meter arch and it's just off the ground, you know, up to your knees or something. And it's three feet wide and you can see, you know, there it is. And it's just like a arch. hole in a, in, a, in, a, in a certain thickness rock, rock face, right? Yeah, yeah, a little hole in a little wall. Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say three feet is little, but you're looking from one side, you're looking through clear to whatever the vista is behind, right? Yes, and he's standing there, and he's talking. He's like, hey, it's really cool. And then he, he stops. You can see the look on his face. It's confusion. 
he doesn't understand what's happening and he goes wow what was wait what what was that did you hear that and he's going echo echo i've never heard anything like that before that is so bizarre and he's he's standing so his voice is He's, it's going into the rock, but then he can also hear it. He's hearing the interdimensional echo of his own voice, and he can't figure out. He's never heard anything like this before. Well, he doesn't understand what. we don't know it's interdimensional, well, it's John. something on, like that. He's hearing his when voice. When Robin go, and I went to Chaco Canyon with, with her son, Michael, uh, I'm measuring alignments, and they're off in another part of the canyon, and I hear these extraordinary sounds and I go running down this long trail, and they're both standing there, and they're yodeling. And because you have these rounded amphitheaters, the sound is coming back. And Marie and I talked about one night setting up a sound experiment at Stonehenge because one of the ways to raise the hyperdimensional frequency is yeah. through focused resonant sound. And if these yeah. guys were as smart as we think they were, this is a trigger for a consciousness-raising resonance phenomenon. So you're partly right. There is a hyperdimensional component, but it's yeah. all in 3D to be a trigger. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Good way to put it. Um, so then I contacted him to see if he – I said, we're doing this um, Oumuamua thing – and I think the next place to go is uh, Delicate Arts. Would you be interested in, we, we'd send you a radio, instructions how to use it. You, you send the signal through the arch and then mm, record. That's a cool idea. And he thought, he, he thought I was, um, you know, wearing a white straight jacket. Oh, you've got to be kidding. How can he yeah, be surrounded he, by all this and not have his own higher frequency experience? I know, I know. Well, he shows, thinks I'm a weirdo. Remember, I, remember, remember what Christ said. <clears throat> there are those who can't be so blind as those that will not see or hear. Ah, uh, yes. So why is he going all? Why is he doing pilgrimages if he doesn't get what he's looking at? Weird. Yeah, it's just beautiful formations, and it's really cool. He, you know, he, he's a cool dude, and he's thinking about getting more subscribers and. You know, all this kind of thing. He's not thinking about Anunnaki, not even. No. All right, let's um, let's go to number thirty-four. Is the next 34. image. And oh, uh, by the way, George is uh, uh, with us. Okay. And oh, cool. And she has some things that she probably wants to say, and um, Keith has some things he wants to say. So, George, if you want to jump in anytime. Uh, I think uh, jo Jonathan needs to roll for a bit okay. and get through this stuff, and then I'll add an odd chunk. Excellent, excellent. Okay, <laughs> go for it. All right. Um, this next image, number 34, uh, this is the same alignment I'm just pointing out where now the sun is coming through this partition, sun slot A, I call it, and the second green triangle in the background you see I, I pointed that out before with a yellow triangle when i was showing you when you see these slots you know the light is going through there it's going to shine on something and just behind that is richard you just talked about these um audio amphitheaters yeah i call them amphitheaters because they seem to be designed to be acoustic amplifiers yeah. 
And this particular, I can't find another one like this. There's lots of acoustic uh, amphitheaters around here, but this one is a double amphitheater. Oh. It's really cool. So do you and get a double echo? I guess. I, I can't wait to move. I'm going to move out there and just spend, you know, I'm going to go with camera drones and maybe some recording, you know, sound Since your equipment. your YouTube friend will not play nice. That's right. Oh, God. <laughs> So um, that alignment is shining. Maybe the, this guy is their engineer or the, the great scientist, Anunnaki dude. I don't know who he is, but um, it, it's a double uh, amphitheater. Very cool. And uh, all right, let's go to the next image is number 35. Oh, I'm just close. It's a close up of that, that slide I was just talking about. And you can see through it. And... If you if you happen to be on YouTube right now and you have Google Earth open, you can see what I'm talking about. You can just swivel around behind this wall of rock, and you will see the that amphitheater and how cool it is, and just marvel at the what the technology must be going on there and why it was created. It's something to do with healing, but it's more than that. And um, all right, let's go to number 36. Um, oh. Well, this is looking back from the other direction. Ah. We're looking right over. Like, so is like that right petrified below. dunes monolith there in the back at the end of the red line? That's, uh, I call that the, I'm calling it the Enki lens because, you know, like that uh, standing, so like the heel stone I pointed out earlier, this is another feature where like delicate arch is pointed at it. You have the fish seat draw. So this is like a standing stone marker. Boy, that solar way it really celestial. does look like it was cut in the rock to, to look through. And um, at the bottom of the image, if you could look down, you would see this double amphitheater that I'm talking about. And, and then you would see where this line comes right through there. Oh, and I marked that, that notch, the red notch, because it's a kind of a sideways notch into this you know, wall there. It's so cool because the beam would come right in through there. I mean, they really, they have this um, sculpted to a T so that these lights come right through and they shine on a particular spot on, on a cliff Well, wall. there appears to be another one up on the top of the structure to the right that was kind of hidden behind that thing in the front. If you stood there, you would see something else like those yes. very geometric things to the right of your little uh, monolith under yep. under the word lens. Yes. Look at how geometric they look. That's great, Richard. You are seeing what I have been seeing these past months. Mm. There's so much there. Well, because... I cut my teeth on Martian ruins, so come on. <laughs> <laughs> As did I. So that's part of the reason, too, why this is all jumping out at me. So, yeah, there's numerous... Uh, alignments like that where you're looking through and you're seeing a so path. If we put ourselves in an Indiana Jones motif, remember that great yes. scene where he's down in the in the temple and he's got the staff and the sun is shining and the crystal is yes. beaming and all that? Yes. Are we supposed to use these sight lines to find the time capsules? Yes. And that's okay. what led me to the secret code. These, I call it the sacred aperture. Okay. Yeah, so apertures. Aperture, by the way, for folks that don't know, means an opening. All right. Yep. 
Okay, number 37, picture of the Enki mural where some of these sight lines end up. And uh, it's just kind of a sister to the Hera mural. A you know, I'm wall. wondering as I look at this, if one was yeah. to take really high-tech infrared gear, think web, yeah. and photograph this in the thermal infrared, either before sunrise as the sun gets higher and it warms up or after sunset when it's cooling down, whether we might be able to retrieve a lot more of the detail of the eroded mural aspects of this. Richard, you're on fire because in one <laughs> of my earlier images, um, it was one of my first overview images. It would be number... Uh, if I can find that. Oh, it's number eight. Oh, way back up in number Item eight. eight. Okay. I'm using the uh, effects in uh, Premiere Pro and After Effects. And when you do this, you get these different colors that show up that you don't see with your naked eye. Like in, in number five, um, you see a lot of red. Number two has some red in it. Right. You know, the green circle has red in it. And down at number one, you see that red? Mm-hmm. That's the Enki mural. Mm. Yep. So what does the red represent? Well, I'm not sure if it means it's hotter or what. No, I would, I, would, I, would, showing I, up. I, I would think so this would be maybe brightness, luminosity. Yeah, it's something like that. But it makes you think about what you just yep, said. That, yep, yep. Well, yeah. it wouldn't take – remember, all this technology that used to be the you know, property of the deep state – you had to have yeah. millions of dollars of funding from NASA or whatever. You can go out and get this stuff on the open market now on Amazon and go and do it yourself. Yeah, and I, I was saying to Keith, you know, I, I don't know if I want to, you know, spout off with this um, Arches stuff, this portal stuff, because the men in black are going to show up my door and go, oh, we want oh, to have a talk to that, John. You're, 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 <laughs> you're, you're too visibly exposed, okay? I hope so, yeah. And if they did, um, we will come and bail you out. <laughs> all right, number 38 uh, is just a picture of, a, 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 you know, the sight system on a, a rifle or a gun. Right, right. Line it up. So then number 39, you know, there's these, I've identified a number of these, uh, like eight of these. I'm just calling them you the straight eights. You have been busy. Busy oh, little bee, wow. I can tell you, oh my gosh. And I've, I've got all this data for the, the other complexes like Balance Rock and Delicate Arch and so forth. So I've been really busy because it's just, it's taken over my life in a way where I'm just, it, it's unbelievable. So, um, yeah, you can see here's another alignment. I can think of uh, worse obsessions. <laughs> really? Yeah, and there's some urgency, like I said, because two of the, the arches have collapsed. We need to get this sorted out now. Um, so number 39, I'm just showing another uh, straight-8 uh, structure has two notches, and I, I follow the one, and it goes right through a one of those frames where the director holds his hands up and looks through the frame and, mm-hmm. and lands right smack on this part. And then I'm wondering, why didn't John Ford shoot some stuff up here? Well, Why did yeah. you stay with Monument Valley, which is, you know, I mean, it's nice, but this stuff has such incredible background tableau history. And wait till I show you what's a monument 
Park. It's, it's just as astonishing as what we're looking at now. Really crazy. All right. So number 40 is um, now we're looking through that same straight eight structure and just the other notch. And it lines up with sun slot A. And behind that is that mural that we've been talking about with the bird. And I'm telling, I keep saying that this Hera face is on it. I haven't found the Hera face yet. Um, I think at this point I haven't found it yet. I found it about six months ago. I saw that face, and I wasn't sure who she was. Yeah, I'm convinced now she's the Anunnaki mother of the, and all that. But um, so you can see that mural in the background and how this the sight line, when the sun comes up, it would shine through here. Well, one and, major clue, John, is why are the Europeans calling a mission back to Didymos? Hera, come on. Yeah. It's, it's exactly. obvious. Talk about and number history. 40, uh, let's see, we're on number 41. 41. Yep. Okay. Uh, okay, oblique. this is with... No annotations, looking down at Park Avenue, and um, I, I guess I'll go to the next one, 42, a, a wide shot of the mural. I didn't have time to paint this. This is gorgeous, and it tells a story, and I can't say I'm 100% positive that my interpretation of this is correct, but I think it's probably pretty close, but I am going to paint this. I want to have it done for November 3rd when I do the the webinar on this area. Mm -hmm. So number 43, I highlighted the Hera face and the Horus part of that. Wow, look at her. Wow. Isn't that cool? Yep. yep. And so at this point, I'm thinking, you know, the light's coming through sun slot A on the, on the equinox and it's hitting her face because it's a triangular cut out on that partition where the light comes through it's and her face is kind of triangular right mm, very so i'm very. thinking it yeah and i also took into account that this cliff is at a particular angle as compared to the, the sun slot in the partition i'm thinking how does that light come through and it's hitting the cliff so i'm trying to imagine that i like you said, I work in uh, virtual re reality and 3D, so I'm always thinking how the light and shadow, and you know about ray, ray tracing, Richard, and yeah, how the rays would come in and hit this. So I'm thinking about all I'm this. I'm just thinking thermal infrared, thermal infrared. Yeah, we got to get some of that LIDAR going so we can see what's inside of it. Well, you do, do you know whether the Arches Park lets you fly drones around this place? Well, they do, I guess, because there's plenty of people doing it on so YouTube. So you could all... simply outfit one with an infrared camera yeah, and just run around and take pictures from different angles at different times of day or after sunset or before sunrise. And I have a feeling that a lot of this stuff, which is just kind of hovering on the edge of consciousness, will be much clearer. Just have that feeling. Yeah. That's a great idea, and I like. I, I would love it if somebody could go do that, or I will do it when I move out there. Um, yeah, this all needs to get done. Number 43A and 43B, just a couple of uh, reptilian skull references. Um, Angel Arch is in Canyonlands, which is next door to Arches Park. Um, number 44 is cool because I was just 
talking about chambers within these wait, structures. Wait, wait, wait. Don't pass 43B. Who the hell is that and who's holding it and where did you get it? Oh, just uh, if you Google Anunnaki, that's one of the images that will come up. And I forget the guy's name, but they found this skull and it just it looks very much like a reptilian. It doesn't look very humanoid. Um, no, he does not look humanoid. It looks more like a mantis, like a big, big, yeah. big mantis. Hmm. Yeah. So number 44 is very cool because you can see in Horace's eye, it's not just like a gouged out thing. This has architecture and I think could well be an entrance. Okay. Are we talking about the object in the lower middle or to the one to the right? Uh, lower middle. Okay. The one that's kind of like curly. A little yes. vortexy. By the way, there's a really bizarre face over on the left. Two of them. Yeah. <clears throat> the one on top. Yeah. Is definitely. Looks like one of the guys from the uh, Monolith Canyon. Mm-hmm. Okay. John, please okay. continue. Uh, next is- Number 45 is, we're looking down on uh, the harem mural and the... Oh, there she is. Yeah. Wow. And the funny thing is, as you move the sun through the course of the day, she will disappear at, at yeah, certain of parts of the day. Of course, yeah. Yeah. And then, boop, there she is again, and then she's gone. So it's just certain times of the day this happens. Well, this is very Martian. The Martian artwork, you know, Ron and I have discussed this extensively, and so is Kintia. You change the sun angle. I mean, you change the sun angle on the face. All kinds of things move and change and appear and disappear. It's like these guys were the masters, pun intended, of light and shadow. It's been such a humbling experience for me, Richard. I just... You know, I don't know sometimes whether to, to cry or shout with joy or, or what, because I'm just blown away by, I mean, these these Anunnaki folks are just ridiculous. <laughs> you guys are unbelievable. My God. <laughs> uh, all right. So where are we here now? Number 46. Okay. We're looking back. Um, actually, you can see my sundial here in the top left corner of this Google Earth image. It says 9.23-2022, a.m. So you can see the sun is coming up here on the equinox. And, you know, you see where the light would come in through that sun slot A and shine on the mural. And uh, let's see, let's go to 47 is... Okay, this is where I found, like I said, I was moving the sun around, and I caught from the corner of my eye, just saw this glint, and I went, whoa, what's that, what's that? Lo and behold, when I saw these holes, you see the green circle I drew there, Mm -hmm. that is the sacred aperture that I had been looking for, because I I knew this the sun slot just to the right of that that we've been talking about and I've been pointing out, I said, this is too big. From what I saw in my OBE, they were small. It was like Indiana Jones with the staff. It was some beams coming through. I'm Mm. looking at these beams. And 
I'm like, where are those holes where the beams are coming through? And I couldn't find them. And I finally, you know, that Gadzooks moment. And when I looked through these holes, I had the most surreal feeling that I might be looking at something that nobody's seen for 400,000 years. So wait, you can, in this algorithm, you can zoom in and actually look through these apertures? And I I took some pictures of that, number 48. I I zoomed in now. And the cool thing is... Oh, look at that. Isn't that cool? They're incredibly geometric. Nature doesn't do that. That's fracturing. And this rock doesn't fracture. It's sandstone. And those shapes mean... It's the geometry, stupid. Oh, my gosh. Wow. So we're coming up. Do you want me to stop here? No, no, we got we got, you know, another minute, you know. Okay. Keep going. Number 49. This is a very cool feature. And when I saw this glare, I'm calling this glare rock, glint rock, whatever you want to call it. There's this shiny sandstone that lights up when it catches the sun. And when I saw that, this is looking from the opposite direction of uh, the previous picture we just we just looked at. This is looking from the other side. I can see a whole Indiana Jones movie set here. Oh, my God. It's Indiana Jones squared. Yeah. Yeah. So you see the holes there, and you have this glint rock. And that's an important feature because you find that this glare rock uh, 49A, I, I just draw circles around those geometric holes, the apertures, the sacred apertures mm-hmm. that lead to the key code that will open up these portals for us. Um, and then number 50, now we're looking down on that partition wall, and you can see that the sacred apertures, it's not aligned with the wall. It's at an angle. Interesting. Okay, look, we are at the uh, top of the hour. My guest this morning is John Womack, and uh, George is waiting in the wings. Keith is uh, ever vigilant. My name is Richard C. Hoagland. You're on the other side of midnight, and we're exploring ancient time capsules. Not in a galaxy far, far away, but kind of, for me here, just, just around the corner. And we need other people to play. So if you've got time and money and uh, an inclination, you might want to contact John through the Enterprise mission or through the other side of midnight because we could use a little help. This is history in the making. We shall return. Midnight.com. Talk radio with pictures on demand. Liberate your hyperdimensional time scale and nonlinearly access over 400 hours of conversation at the cutting edge of science and thought. 
join Club 19.5 to get access to exclusive content that fits your interests and time schedule. Filter episodes by guest or subject. Membership costs $9.95 a month, $0.33 cents a day. Talk radio with pictures on demand. The other side of midnight.com. Welcome back, everyone. It is now officially in the land of enchantment. Monday morning, October 10th. Tomorrow, October 11th at 2 p.m. in the afternoon in Washington. The NASA folks are going to regale us with their cover story for why they apparently destroyed an ancient time capsule. Two objects orbiting. The only two objects of asteroids orbiting in the whole solar system aligned with the Earth with an almost, within a whisker, 12-hour period, one-half a 24-hour Earth day, and they went and blew it to kingdom come. Were they that dumb? Was it a hidden agenda? Or were they led by a mysterious third party into committing an extraordinary act of, uh, you know, it, 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 it's, really a, it's really a crime against humanity to destroy who we are. Anyway, John, returning to Arches Park in Utah here on Earth, which nobody can destroy because somebody would notice. Okay. Um, we were on number 50, and this confirmed that I had found the this key code, these holes, because it's angled, and it matches the slant of this cliff mural that Hera Oh, so on. that's why you call it a key, because it's like a key in a slot. Yeah, and it's pointing, well, the, those four holes, well, I'm, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Um, let's go to number 51. So I'm getting really excited. Now I found the holes, the light's coming through. I know it's going to shine. Um, the top hole, I think, is going to shine on her face. But what are the three bottom holes for what are they going to shine what will they reveal on that cliff wall mm-hmm. and when you look at that cliff wall there's a lot going on there's all this story and history this and is so indiana uh, jones boy it, it's so yeah so uh 51 you can see um you know i'm just pointing this out that uh these holes are the key. And uh, we go to number 52. Yeah, I have some slides to show you that the glare rock is in all the arches, all the big arches. I don't know about the little small ones, but the big arches inside of the arch, all of them have this You know what shiny... I'm really struck by, John, is how all these apertures, these big ones, small ones, whatever, they all have like equilateral two-dimensional triangles 
in a eroded form. Look at that. Look at the so-called delicate arch. Look at how it forms a equilateral triangle, which, of course, in four dimensions is a hyperdimensional tetrahedron. Richard, you're on fire because <laughs> the arches are not random shapes. The holes are specific shapes. Mm-hmm. And now, now the top left, the left side of this arch is a serpent coming down, kissing the head of Anki or some other Anunnaki. And the shape of the hole is specific. And you find this with the other arches, like the, uh, the window arches. Those are her eyes or somebody, one eye is kind of relaxed, the other one squinted. They're all shaped for a reason. I mean, like I said, these Anunnaki are just ridiculous. The extent that they go to to leave this for us is, is just mind-boggling. So um, let's go to the next few images, number 53. Again, you can see the, glint, the glare rock or glint rock or whatever you want to call it. It's very shiny and it captures light. And in well, fact, are we talking you, inside the arch? Inside rim of the arch. Okay, yes. good, good. Yeah, because okay. And number fifty-four, um, just a really cool picture. You can see the details. This is the other side of the arch. We're looking from the opposite angle, and you can see, like at the top there. I mean, this whole thing is so decked out. It looks to me Every a, inch it looks of it. To, I see a dog on the right. I see a statue on the left, like a guardian of the arch. Yeah, yeah, the guardian. Man, Richard, you are you are nailing it. Um, they have these guardians. There's one guarding Hera at Park Ave. They guard the arches. Um, I I I don't have time to talk about a lot of this stuff tonight. I'm trying to do the highlights, but you are you're really picking up on this stuff like hyperdimensional you know, resonance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, let's see, number 55, uh, some more. Uh, I can't wait to do a show on Delicate Arch because um, this is all really advanced technology we're looking at and what's going on here and what they're doing. And um, I, just, I, I just love it. And uh, let's see, 56. 56 is a night. Now we're back at Park Ave at the mm. Sacred Holes. The sacred apertures and you can really see them here because the sun is coming up this and this is, is on your the... computer reconstruction from the actual photography on google earth right this is google earth and i set it for um th well this is on 923 and the cool thing on google earth pro is you can put in the date when you hover your cursor over that uh timeline right uh, you get some icons appear. One, one is a wrench, and you click on the wrench, and you can put in the day and the year. Ooh. So, yeah, if you want to go back to this past March on the uh, solstice, you can do that and look, check alignments and that kind of thing. So that's what I hope people will, will do and uh, share their findings and this kind of thing. Um, but you can really see now we, you just pointed out a guardian, Richard, uh, you see the holes there circled in white mm -hmm. and there's two formations that are joined together. And these holes are in between the two formations and the formation on the right is a good grief. Dog. It looks like a stepped, look at the steps on the top. 
Look at the geometry in the top against the sun glare. Yeah. Boing, boing, boing. It's a guardian, and he's guarding Park Ave and these secrets. And when I I had figured out that he was a guardian. You need to figure out where the beams were pointing to find the damn time capsule, John. Come on. Oh, we're almost there. We have a few more slides to go. (laughs) Okay. So, number 57. Yes, here's a close-up of the holes. And I'm getting very excited now because I'm zeroing in on what I've been looking for. Look at how geometric they are. How can the park guys say these are just erosion? Erosion does not happen like that. Yeah, and I'm I'm certain that the park guys have no idea that this even exists. I wouldn't be so sure. I I would bet money on what about on the, or you see your 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 green oval? Yeah. Move to the left about two thirds of the way to the edge of the frame. Yeah. Is that a pyramid? Richard, <laughs> you are on fire tonight because... Wait a minute, i got to get some water here. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> because the next step now, I'm looking through the holes at the mural, and now I just need to pan the camera left or right, and, and I'm looking for it to line up. I'm pretty certain I'm going to see Hera's face in the top hole is my feeling, but I don't know, but I'm oh very excited. My so I moved the camera just right, you know, it was like a count of two, 1,001, 1,002, and then... There she is. Number slide 58. Yep. Boom. And there she is, and I just, Look I got the biggest that. chill. Oh. Well, this and is so far beyond chance. Come on, John. You know, this is oh, real. it's so far beyond. This yeah. is, and, this and is even... incredibly important, and we got to get more support. Elon, are you listening? <clears throat> hint, oh, hint. Elon, I, would, I, I wish I had his phone number because I thought of him, too. I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to call him. So what we have, I was trying to tell you on the phone, I think it was last week we were talking, and you didn't have these pictures. So you said it's, it, it's hard to picture what you're talking about. So now we're, we're here, and I can explain what I was talking about. And you pointed out that on this uh, partition wall that we're looking with the holes that we're looking through, it seems like it's all carved when you're getting close. And so what I did was I took these holes and just made a, a template of the holes themselves without the wall. Right. And then I go over to the mural across the avenue that we're looking at here. And I put the... You know, this is the key I'm talking about. These four holes are... They're not holes. They're much more... They're not... They're they're cut sight lines. Even the word aperture doesn't do it. They're they're obviously geometric sight lines that have been carefully chiseled or or lasered or whatever. Yeah. Look at those edges. They're absolutely straight. Nature doesn't do that. And, then and they're, they and they're not the all aligned. They're at different angles, so nature would not do that either. So, Right. And they put the glare rock just in certain parts because the glare rock catches the light and sends it through the portal. Mm-hmm. And I, found, uh, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Keep going. Um, let's keep, going. keep going. So I put this, uh, these four apertures up against the mural 
and then drew lines around, you know, where they're centered. And then I go back and I'm looking through this uh, partition again, and I'm looking and I'm, and I notice that, for example, how do I even describe this? One of the scenes that this uh, key is showing on the mural, I'm looking at the mural and this, the lines, you know, I, I draw lines on the cliff wall where these holes are, the light is landing. And it looks like on the, like this, uh, the third hole down, let's say. Okay. Um, you look through it, you see that on the cliff wall across the way, it looks like on the left side of this, left edge of that hole, um, you're looking through it on the mural. On the mural, you see the right side of somebody's face. And then I, I look and I go, oh, my God, the left side of their face is on the partition. Oh, so you're matching. They're matching. And you, you can kind of see Queen Hera. I think it's Queen Hera again. Um, I mean, so there are. Are we faces. talking 58 or 59? I'm on 58. Okay. So the the top hole is Queen Hera's face, perfectly outlined. And then you have these bottom three holes. That is incredibly precise geometry. Have you measured the angles, John? Hint, hint. I. Oh, <laughs> yes. Um, and, you know, all kinds of thoughts are going through my head. Are these uh, representing, you know, parsecs in space where these different species that left this behind for us, it's where they live or, I mean, it's very cosmic. And they are showing us something and they didn't want us to find this easily. You have to look you know, you got to be looking for this. It, this took me some time. Well, maybe you have to be genetically related, and the guy with the YouTube video hasn't a clue because he's not related. Yeah, it definitely has to do with reincarnation because there's people on Earth that right now that have had previous lives on Mars. There's people that were probably Anunnaki. Um, so, yeah, you're right. Uh, let's see. Let's go to number 50. Oh, 59. I'm jumping right to... I didn't know if we'd get this far, Richard, actually. I'm glad we've, we've got this far, but that bottom... Uh, the third. I guess it's the third hole down. You have the queen at the top. Uh, when you're looking through that partition, those holes... On 58, you mean? Yeah, 58. So, 59, I'm showing you... Like I said, I put that those holes on the cliff wall and I drew, I am not showing that slide. I'm saving that for the webinar. I do want to save some, <laughs> some really cool things. Uh, I want people to come to the webinar. They will. And, and, Don't worry. They will. Um, <clears throat> so hint, hint, hint. here is you have to support John's cool research. Spot. This is amazing. Yes. This is one of the spots highlighted in the sacred apertures. And now, if you were a human, you would be standing right in the center of uh, this picture. There's this kind of, I don't know, obelisk, if you want to call it, statue. It's called a statue. It's lit. It's bright. 
you know, it's showing up. The, the sun is shining on it. Uh, so a human will be standing that maybe a third as tall as this statue. Okay. That's what we're looking at. And off to the right, you can kind of see where is, is that another entranceway or something? And uh, because the aperture is framing this scene right here. And that figure, very, that very fuzzy figure in the middle? The figure is at the center and then... So you need to get uh, a close-up of the figure and find out who he, she, or it is. Exactly. And I... Made it wrong. So what, I, what it made me think of was number 60, item 60. <laughs> yeah, this is actually one of my favorite episodes. Even though uh, uh, Fred Silverberg did it, I still think it's one of the good episodes. So yeah, oh, I cried when Miramani died. Yeah, yeah, poor Miramani. Okay, go ahead. So here's Kirk. He they're at this uh, obelisk thing with these symbols, and they don't know what it is. But he opens his uh, communicator and he says, "Kirk to Enterprise," and a door opens in the floor, and he falls into it. And hits his head and becomes amnesic. And, yes. then, and then emerges and they think he's the guy, uh, you know, some great ancestor and they worship him. And <clears throat> it's a whole kind of an interesting, you know, plot. Yeah, there's Native Americans living nearby. So, um, and then at the end, they discover, they realize that it was his voice that activated the opening. And you know, we have all these acoustical amphitheaters all over mm-hmm. uh, that partition. There's a very cool thing on that partition. Again, I, I don't have time to go into all this, but there are um, opposing amphitheaters, one on each side of the partition, just, you know, on either side of the sacred apertures. Okay, number 62. Okay, number 62. One of my Again, favorite movies also. Yeah, these are some movies that brought to mind as I'm looking at the through the sacred aperture and, and I'm following the map key down the mural with King, Queen Hera and all this. And I'm thinking of National Treasure where they go inside Mount Rushmore and there's all these chambers and, um, you know, it's very Indiana Jones and um, and then, you know, Queen Hera reminds me of Mission to Mars. You had the mother of Mars who, when the planet went kablooey, she sent some Well, it's what did the Palma know and when did he know it? <clears throat> so. Yeah. Yeah. And then another movie uh, reminded me of is John Carter. That movie starts out with um, John Carter is being chased in like 1888 American West He's being chased by outlaws. He hides in a cave. And what do you know? He finds a portal and he ends up on Mars. He's going, what the heck just happened? Yep. So totally, a totally underrated movie, by the way. Oh, yeah. I think by design. That's another whole program. Keep going. 65. Yeah. You put your name on a pass. Yeah, I figure, you know, if I decode the uh, portals, they'll probably John. allow me to name one oh of these my places. God. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, hey, come on. And this is a little spot over in Fish Seat Draw I, I kind of like, and uh, so I'm calling it Womack Pass. And uh, uh, Fish what's Seat that, Draw. What's is that like, collection of very interesting guys at the top? Just below oh, the far I, distant I just mountains. Pr- 
I think I could probably do a show on the spot. This is a whole like city, Anunnaki city, the fish seat draw area. It's it's really astounding. That's the one the the SUV and guy was walking through and he stood on the arch and heard the echo and but um yeah, this is Womack Pass, I'm gonna call it and pretend, you know, like <laughs> maybe maybe I I have some connection to this spot, I don't know, in a past life or um sixty six. 66, um, I'm not going to, this is a tease, but here's the Anubis, uh, you know, figure in, in Park Ave. Uh, this is a long park. You're walking there. You can see Sunslot A with the sun coming up in the background. Uh, to the right of the sun, you see the sacred apertures again. You can see blue light coming through there. So you have, this is the coolest thing because, this is like a, a solar and a lunar alignment thing. The sun comes through here and it actually is like bent and it comes over to this acoustical amphitheater behind Anubis. And it li- as you move the sun slider on Google Earth, minute by minute, uh, let's see if I took pictures of that. I think I did. Number 67. Here we are behind Anubis. And you have this, another acoustic. This is one of these two acoustical amphitheaters that are situated on this partition in mm. such a way that they, I, I can tell that they are not canceling out. There's another one at the other end on the other. Uh, other side of the partition and they are working together just like the sunlight is being directed over here and you see the floor is has sunlight coming on it and what i found is that as the sun comes up the floor is dark there's no sunlight in this area and as the sun comes up let's see if i um did i number 68 yes Watch number 68. Okay. Oh. Oh, and, and that last picture, number 67, I've, I wanted to mention about, you probably saw that Anki, uh, you know, is pretty clear right there. I think I pointed him out earlier in the show, but now I can, you can, I think, see him a lot better there, his face in the green circle. Um, so, yeah, number 68 I want people to go do this. You can do this yourself. Uh, in the green circle, you can see even sort of some angular. I see a hint of something. This is so a hint of Jones. Yes. When By the, the way, I, I, I see I see a big putty tat just above. If, if the okay. ellipse if the ellipse is a clock, midnight is straight yeah. up at about the two o'clock position on that rock face. There's a putty tat looking directly at the camera. And okay. he's a lion. Lions cool. are important. Yeah, there's all animals around it, you know, elephants and uh, all that stuff is all through here. But what happens is the sun comes up. It's bent somehow through the, the sun slot A or the sacred aperture. And it lights up that thing on the floor. Okay. Same thing happens yeah. on the back wall of, of New Grange <clears throat> when the light comes through a light box over the entrance. The people who did this knew exactly how to use the light and beams and angles and direction oh. and apertures to focus attention 
on changing stuff. Yeah. And I, I think it could well be another entrance there by the, the cat, as you say. Um, and their entrances aren't quite like ours. And it's not going to be a door that you have a knob and you open it. They're going to be very different entrances. Um, you're going to pass through in ways that we don't think about. Well, maybe. we don't have this. Maybe. We don't know. Or or maybe we do think about, yeah, but we don't have this technology, but this is, this is all going on here. And um, what do I have? One more? One more. Yeah, here, just some more uh, light sonic technology. The, the bottom yellow circle is the spot we were just looking at. It's right behind Anubis. I call it the Anubis chamber. And it's where, like There's I said, the, the light comes through. Again. Yeah, we're looking straight down almost on it. We're looking at, yeah, an kind of oblique angle. And then the kind of middle uh, yellow circle, that's what I was just talking about. It's on the other side of the partition. It's another acoustical amphitheater with incredible things going on there when you get in there and start looking around. All these acoustical amphitheaters. Take, uh, maybe you should take a synthesizer and just run up the scale and see what happens. I, I can't wait to do some of these experiments because... Like there's one over, uh, there's a great one at Delicate Arch where there's uh, a portal up on the cliff wall. And when the sun comes up, it shines through the portal down onto the floor where there's a triangular cutaway in the ground. Like you would stand there and have the sun, you, the sun shines on it. You can see, mm-hmm. and there's, there's people walking right by it on, on the vacation videos on YouTube. You know, <laughs> doesn't anybody even... They're not looking over. You know, over from this angle, my lion, which is just above your bottom oval, yeah, has a crown. Look at that sharp geometry above his. Oh, he's really obvious there. Well, maybe you can uh, flesh that out for me, Richard, like highlight or something, so I can see it too. I, I don't see it, but you I believe you. Will. You, you will. absolutely. Um, so, and then the top yellow circle is another amphitheater. So I've been studying, I've been plotting these amphitheaters and right across the avenue here is where I mentioned that that double chamber is. It's like one big chamber split. It's really got this cool split. So it's two chambers and they're all working together to manipulate the light and the sound. And it's part of a technology that I don't quite understand. I, I, have an inkling of what's going on, but I just need to more time and, um, you know, more mystical experiences where I can go there and get other perspective and see what's going on. Wow. Well, yeah. you actually did it. You actually, I did it. actually did it. Yes. Yes. Very good. Amazing. Okay. That means when we come back after the break and we're very close to the bottom of the hour here, what we're going to do is we're going to bring Georgia on and we're going to have a interesting discussion because I think you're onto something really huge and major. Okay, so everyone hold it there. My guest this morning is John Womack. Georgia Lambert's joining us momentarily. Keith is standing by, hovering over the boards. My name is Richard C. Hoagland. We're talking about ancient time capitals. And no, you don't have to go to Didymos. All you have to do is go to Utah. But... You have to go with your eyes 
and your consciousness wide open. We're on the other side of midnight. My name is Richard C. Hoagland. We shall return. Club 19.5 to get access to exclusive member benefits. Listen to past episodes anytime on any device. Search the archives of over 180 episodes. Membership costs $9.95 a month, 33 cents a day. Support the broadcaster to provide you with the most interesting conversation available. Talk radio at the cutting edge of science and thought. The other side of midnight.com. And welcome back, everyone, on the other side of midnight, last half hour to go. Well, John, you've given us an incredible tour de force of an incredible potential discovery, which now only has to be confirmed, and we have to figure out where the time capsules are. And obviously, the alignments are the clues. So, we're being joined now by Georgia Lambert, who is our uh, resident metaphysician. And if you want a more formal introduction, you can go to the other side of Midnight and look at the bios, click on those under the banners, and you can get all the background you want. So, Georgia, you've been very, 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 very patient. And obviously, you've got some thoughts about all this. What are they? Oh, I thought I would add a chunk to this stew, but kind of lob it in from the side in a completely different direction. Okay. Um, we know, for instance, when we look at the at sacred places around the world, that they often mirror constellations, right? Ah, uh, yeah. The, yeah. the Great Pyramids related to Orion, Angkor Wat related to Draco, Newgrange related to Cygnus, and on and on and on, right? 
Yep. Well, that doesn't leave this continent out. There is um, an area, and you'll see why I'm bringing this in in a minute. There's an area north of the area you're talking about and to the east in uh, South Dakota and Nebraska called the Black Hills. Oh, yeah. Okay. If you were looking down at the Black Hills from the sky, it's this sort of ovoid black area that's surrounded by a road of reddish clay. And from about 100 to 1000 BC, the Lakota traditions call this road the Great Hoop or the Racetrack. And and they had a a very specific pilgrimage that was part of their culture that started at the spring equinox and finished at the summer solstice around this track, around this sacred area of the Black Hills. They started their winter encampments uh, in... um, an area that they called, a constellation they called Dried Willow, but it's actually Triangulum and Aries hmm. is where they started. And they continue on to Harney, what we know as Harney Peak in South Dakota, where they did a ceremony of welcoming back what they called the Thunderers or the Elemental uh, creators. And this was under a constellation they called the seven little girls that we know as the Pleiades. Oh. And then they went on um, to uh, the center of the Black Hills, where they did another ceremony welcoming all life in peace. And, uh, and then at the summer solstice, they moved on to an area called the Bears Lodge, or also called the Great Gray Buffalo Horn, under Gemini. We know that as the Devil's Tower. Oh, my. From, yes. Close Everybody encounters. knows that move, Close Encounters. That's right. So this whole area Well, didn't, is, they, didn't they think that those streaks, those incredible erosion patterns, vertical on the side of the of the tower were caused by bear claws, claws. Yes, chasing that's why it's called... some Indian maiden to the top or something? Yeah, that's why it's called the Bear Lodge. My point is that people all around the world do pilgrimages to these sacred spots. Mm. What, we, what we need to do, which is out of my wheelhouse, but what we need to do is find someone versed in uh, Native American lore to place this National Arches Park in some kind of in pilgrimage. That context, yeah. In that Well, I have context. somebody, George, uh, George Haas, actually. Ah, George, yeah, okay. Yeah, he says he has a Native American friend who uh, thinks, George thinks he can help me um, decipher the glyphs. The, they're, you know, it's like their language is on these cliffs, and he says... He, he thinks I haven't reached out to this person yet, but um, yeah, I'm going to hook up with this guy and see if he can offer some insight uh, because deciphering the language, of course, is very important. Yeah, I would and, think we would not want to turn to YouTube guy. <clears throat> uh, 
And Georgia, when I looked through the sacred apertures, I wondered if those holes were constellations because, you know, you have Horus on that Hera mural. I thought, is one of these squares fit the Orion uh, constellation? And then on you, uh, I mean, Google Earth, you can see at night the stars you know, as the sun's going down you mean, and coming up. You mean up. those straight-edge geometric outlines of the yeah. – of the they're, they're doorways. They're not holes. Holes to me are like eroded, irregular little things through – eroded through something. These are cut windows or doorways or – Yeah. I'm, I'm, so I was looking help at me this. with the right term here. So, so like I said, you know, if we knew the Native American lore – relating to perhaps a particular constellation or a particular pilgrimage related to a certain time of the year, uh, we could get some really interesting clues as to the purpose of all of that and its function. It may be so old that it's like telephone. If you pass a legend down long enough, it will change entropy intrudes. So what the Native Americans think they're doing may have nothing to do with the original intention of the glyphs, the friezes, the statues, whatever. Right, right. But the placement and the time of year will generally be uh, secured. It's like, again, the, the Lakota, uh, you know, specifically doing stuff under the Pleiades or right. under Gemini or under Aries. That would, well, um, you'd also have to account for procession. Right. John, right. have you thought about that? Yeah, I mean, I, I was trying to see if uh, the Orion constellation was overhead o- above the Hera mural when I was doing uh, the fall equinox a couple of weeks ago um, to see if if I recognized I'm not that good with constellations, so I need somebody else to do this. But I wouldn't be surprised if... You, you know, it was the Orion, you know, above her head or something like that. There was, I mean, and I don't, I don't know which Native American group, uh, you know, used that particular area. Was it Lakota or, you know, some other, uh, some other tribe? But, you know, it would be specific to their lore. Before they made it a park in 1929, they had to kick out. They had a guy uh, there on in the petrified uh, dunes there in that kind of flat open area. Uh, he was a cattle rancher. He raised cattle. <laughs> That's what they so, used to do. Yes. Yep. And so they, you know, bought him out and eminent domain, and we're taking this, and they made it into the park. So uh, I just thought that was funny. That, um, you know, you got these cows walking around these monuments going, <laughs> well, there was another cattle guy here in New Mexico, uh, Richard Wetherill, who did a, he actually had a ranch up around Chaco Canyon and he, he became part of the local lore. He knew so much about the, you know, the, where the ruins were and where things were buried. And he was just a private guy, just a rancher here in New Mexico, but they didn't kick him out. They made him part of the larger you know, turning that into a national park. So, yeah, I don't remember which tribe would be part of that, of the countryside there. But, it but I be- mean, this, this whole continent from the Serpent Mounds in Ohio to, you know, this, uh, 
Egyptian artifacts being found in the Grand Canyon. I mean, this whole place mm. has yeah. been, you know, the site of all kinds of really interesting things way back oh when. Oh, my gosh, yes. Depending upon how ancient this stuff is, how many different peoples could have thought of it as theirs and then been supplanted by other people and they supplanted by other people. In other words, if it goes back millions of years. We're literally looking at, you know, extraterrestrial visitations, encampments, maybe whole cities. Yeah. Well, well, in, in esoteric lore, it's said that uh, the continent of North America was part of the old Atlantean empire and that the vibratory frequencies here were very, very materialistic. And this is why the sacred brotherhoods in Europe and Asia didn't allow colonization until the Renaissance and humanity reaching a certain level of mental development where it was safe to colonize. Hmm. Well, I asked, uh, Richard, I asked Georgia, uh, about Mount Shasta because of ah, yeah. an OBE I had in February of 2020. And and then my experience here at Arches Park, and I think they might be related. And the, the OBE in February 2020 involved uh, the, the Mount Shasta there. And um, what's the guy's name? Odama and St. Germain are these two characters mm. that they're oh, ascended. Well- uh, masters, they call many, them. many more than that. Uh, Shasta has always been sort of a hotbed of metaphysical marketplace <laughs> stuff. Uh, it's uh, it's definitely a, a very, very powerful area, and there's been all kinds of lore since time out of mind surrounding it. I had um, an elderly couple that was students of mine that bought a farm. Uh, in the Shasta Valley, and uh, I used to visit them. And, you know, Shasta started, you know, its career on the metaphysical map with a a book that was written in the late 1800s, early 1900s called Dweller on Two Planets, by supposedly channeled by an entity called Phylos that went into Hmm. all kinds of stuff about, you know, the Atlantean civilization and all of that kind of stuff. It was built on uh, then by uh, a gentleman named uh, Guy Ballard who wrote the I Am books and founded the I Am Society, uh, who who was really into St. Germain and and some of these ascended masters. They got really into the weeds with all kinds of glamour that, you know, if you went there with the right attitude, the masters would find you and take you into the mountain and feed you feasts and stuff like they Hmm. didn't have anything better to do, you know. But you had to be wearing pastels because they didn't (laughs) like loud colors. I mean, all kinds of Oh, Lila, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, just craziness. Um, But uh, it's really odd because there's this metaphysical group that lives there along with the good old boy, you know, cattle ranchers and uh, the mountaineering stuff because there's a lot of hiking and mountain climbing on Shasta. And it's gotten to the point where even the sedate, you know, 
no-nonsense mountain climbers, the, the shops in, in the town of Shasta that sell mountain climbing gear have T-shirts that say, a Lemurian stole my pickaxe. <laughs> so Shasta is an incredibly powerful place, and it's a hotbed of UFO activity. But overlaid on Shasta is all of this really glamoured stuff uh, because of layer on layer of, you know, metaphysical fluff of generation on generation. But scrape the fluff away, and there's some real power there. Hmm. Speaking of constellations, I kind of got intrigued because I said last night that I was going to try to get uh, uh, Rick Levine to do the hyperdimensional astrology of the Didymos uh, impact and alignments. And I haven't reached him yet. He must be really on travel. And I've been looking for what um, what uh, constellation uh, Didymos was in front of when they did the actual impact. And I'm still looking because I haven't had a lot of time to getting ready for tonight's show to do that. But I did find that one very curious thing, which, of course, says to me instantly that somebody knows something. Because it turns out, you know, you can do Earth coordinate systems where where a certain object is on the sky, and if they're moving, and asteroids, of course, are moving, uh, they change relative to this celestial coordinate system that Earth referenced called right ascension and declination. Well, right in right ascension, it was five hours and change, but declination went ding, 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 because they hit it when it was exactly at 33 degrees south declination. <laughs> of course they do. So they obviously knew what they were doing. So why would they destroy a time capsule? Unless, and I mentioned this to Ron this afternoon, the guys with the secret space program that have the anti-gravity spaceships, you know, no Artemis rockets, no hydrogen leaks, all that. They've been out. They ransacked both of them. They were basically emptied of all the good stuff. And then they say to NASA, okay, you can use it for target practice. Stranger things have happened. Yep. So, John, when are you moving to Utah? Well, I'm not going to move as long as uh, my cat, Biscuit, who's 17 and very sweet and dear to me. Um, yeah, I wouldn't do that to her. But when she passes away, uh, I'm going to pack it up and move out to Grand Junction, Colorado is the closest city to Arches Park. And uh, my brother tells me it's a very nice town. He's been there many times. And um, that's what I'm looking at. And I, I've got, um, you know, I, I've got a small fortune and my home saved up. So I'll, I'll be able to, you know, have money and equipment. And, I, you know, I'm going to devote the rest of my days to this. Hmm. Well, given that we had a cat, Blackie, who lived past 22, 23, you may have to visit before you move, okay? <laughs> I'm, I'm very serious, you know. I mean, come on, cats have nine lives, and if she's happy and comfy and all that, she could be around for a long time, so I think you need to make, you know, tracks before then. Well, Maria and I are, have talked about meeting there next year, uh, next fall for this... God, you are uh, patient. Gaia conference that she goes to uh, each fall and um, well oh you know Richard she was just out there 
for three weeks. She I know. Called you and yeah, yep. she was there for three weeks. Um, she went to Chaco Canyon and all these other places, and then um, you know went to the Gaia conference and gave her talk. And um, so we're looking at next year to to meet up there, and I'm looking forward to that. She wants me to come to. England as well for this other conference. And I'm like, hey, I haven't been past, you know, my travel involves going to the CVS and the grocery store. And that's about it. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Okay. (laughs) So we'll see. Hmm. Uh, Do you have any other thoughts, uh, Georgia? Because, uh, you know, I'm so whelmed by how astonishing this this picture that Jonathan is portraying really is. I mean, there's got to be something really amazing there, uh, and it's it's so it's so you know astonishingly connective to the whole Dinmos time capsule idea. Well, like I said, I think that there are numerous places on this continent that have wonderful secrets waiting to be unfolded and this is just one of them and we need to find out more about how it fits into the bigger picture yep well richard i wondered about i've identified several species that are work together to sculpt the the western u.s and other parts of the world and um so there's these different species, and I wondered if the sacred aperture has got these four holes. One thought I had was, are they four places where these different species come from? Because there is a galactic community. I mean, Earth has been part, our solar system has been part of the galactic community since they, they made us, you know, since they made this place. Right. Because there, there are are beings, races that were born, you know, billions of years ago, close, closer to the center of the, the galaxy. And then we came along late in the game. We're on one of the outer arms. They're already, they've survived all this, they've become these super advanced civilizations. And then they go on to create this stuff. And so we're, we're a part of the galactic community and all the aliens are all, they're always here. And there's a lot, lots of aliens around. It's their place. And they're, and they're waiting for us to wake up to it. And, well, and, that's one idea. I, there's a million yeah. ideas. You know, I want data. Yeah. I'm a real data-driven yeah. kind of guy. By the way, you're going to love this. You'll never guess where Didymos was when they hit it at 33 degrees south declination. Was it in the same track as Oumuamua, perhaps? No, no. In the okay. constellation, a stone's throw away from Sirius in Canis Major. Mm-hmm. Now that tells Georgia a lot. Because somebody well, from Sirius yeah. is interfering in terrestrial history and has been for a very long time. Well, the metaphysical tradition uh, supports that, that Sirius is the home of what is called the Great White Lodge that the spiritual hierarchy of this planet is a rustic outpost of that greater lodge on Sirius. And that Sirius is the balance point between the seven masculine stars of the Big Dipper and the seven feminine stars of the Pleiades. Hmm. And it's the dog star. And one of these races at Arches Park 
they're dog people, like Anubis. They're they're well, I don't know how to I don't know what to call them, but they're they're a race of. Well, wait, wait, wait. How do you know these are races and not metaphors? Um, how, I don't know actually. Just okay. from my research, I feel like these are different races working together. They're part of a, a galactic community. They all know each other's planets, and you know, I mean, they're they're like you and your neighbors, okay? And they are depicted here in Arches Park, and these dog people are the guardians. Hmm. Okay, well, we need to do some background research on the lore and lure of dog people. Yeah, Anubis and all that stuff, yeah. Well, but isn't Anubis a mask for, for Sirius, for really Isis? I don't know. See, we need a part of this group of mythologists to actually, you know, as well. Well, Isis, Isis is, of course, the mother of mysteries. Uh, when the Freemasons talk about uh, widows and orphans, they're not talking about widows and orphans. The great widow is Isis herself, the mother of mysteries. And the orphans are those that have been severed from the mysteries and are seeking them again. And so, and so, Isis is is again, uh, in Kabbalistic terms, she's related to the Sephirah Binah, the the Black Mother, the Black Madonna, is is uh, the Christian version of Isis, whereas Anubis is, of course, the guardian of the underworld, and in many many cultures, it is a dog or a wolf that is the guardian of the underworld or uh, on the threshold between mm. this world and the other. And that Anubis head in Park Avenue that I pointed out is low, you know, it's at the bottom section of that partition. I wonder if that represents the the underworld. It's interesting in the in the tarot cards, the card the moon has uh two towers in it with mountains in the background and in front of each tower on one side is a wolf and the other side is a dog. Mm. And you have to walk and you have to walk between them to get to the mountains, which are symbolic of the head and the higher centers within the head. Interesting. John, but it's related to the card, the moon, which is interesting. Yeah. John, why don't you give the uh, promo for your, for your webinar and, Tell people how they can get tickets and when it is, and if they can't physically get there, how they can tune in on the uh, on the web, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, it's an online event, so you can get tickets at jonathanwomack.com. They're seven fifty, but and then they charge you two fifty for the service fee, so it's you know ten bucks. And uh, it's November third. It's a Thursday night at seven p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and. I'll have a chance to go into more detail. I, I'm just doing the highlights tonight. And then I want to do one a month. <clears throat> the next one will be Balanced Rock Complex and then Delicate Arch and, and so forth. And that's the plan. Are you looking for any volunteers except YouTube guys to actually go and do some <laughs> site surveys for you? Yes. Uh, first on after this show, uh, tomorrow I will be – you know, hitting up Scott Walter and uh, Dr. Shock 
And yeah, um, I would go for Scott first because I know you know both of them. I know Robert better than I know Scott, but I think Scott would be more open. Robert is really very kind of um, rigid, eccentric. No, rigid, okay. rigid. You know. Okay. It's like if if he didn't invent the idea, he doesn't. You know. Anyway, so I think Scott well, would I, be much better. Yeah, I wanted to wait till you know, we did this show so that I I would have something to show them. And remember, Scott it, says he's part of this big reveal. You know, he was approached by some government agency that asked him to be part of a kind of advisory panel on the UAP UFO office and disclosure process and all that. So the mm-hmm. idea of ancient terrestrial connections and time capsules. I mean, he should really resonate to the idea there could be a MacGuffin somewhere in those canyons. I would think so. I mean, it's so obvious to me. I I just shake my head. And, you know, half the time I don't know whether to get sick and throw up or scream with joy from the highest mountain. Because it's just... It's a travesty, and it's a joyous, glorious event. Or maybe you're the guy who's supposed to unveil all this. Yeah, they might. Uh, if, if I unlock the secret of the portal, which I am zeroing in on, um, then, yeah, they'll. I, I see in my mind, uh, years in the future, they have some, some guy, some Neil Armstrong, and he's getting ready to step through delicate art see one of the ways to find the portal and i think you're using that in the sense i'm using it oh thank you dear is a conveyance which uh uh would take you from outside to inside some kind of a chamber which might reveal some very interesting stuff anyway we will talk about this obviously at another time because we're at the end of the show i want to thank Uh, All my guests tonight, Keith Morgan, of course, for his first-person reportage of what this place looks like when you're there as a tourist and suddenly realize it's not exactly what they've been telling you about. And, of course, John Womack for a Tour de Force Whirlwind Warp 9 tour of Arches National Park and Georgia Lambert for her, as usual, very hyper-dimensional perspectives And yes, we should find the Native Americans who hung out here to find out what they knew and their pilgrimages. So until next weekend, third star on the left, straight on till morning. Good night, everyone.